deep in London's beating heart lies a wall. I'd like to it be if you know the call. For if the wall steps aside, be not afraid of what you see. Cause the wizard world has opened up as has the Griffin's dream. Hello everyone and welcome to the Shrieking Shack. This is a Harry Potter reread podcast. It's a, it's a reading Reread podcast for lapsed fans. I'm leaving that in. I think I think you know mm. I've done so many of these perfectly. I, we'll leave a flub in there. Sure. It's a it's a podcap uh, for hubcaps and and, <laughs> and uh, lappy dappies. Uh, and uh, I'm I'm your host DC. And I'm Liz. And Liz, we're on episode sixty five. Yeah. And you know what that means? We're very close to a funny number. We're very close to a really nice episode. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad we we're having a, a brain connection there. You're able yeah. To, um, uh, but also, we are in a in a funny spot with this uh, book we're in at the moment, which is kind of like okay. We've we switched to the one chapter a week model, which I think has been going great for us. But we this week we've kind of hit one of those weird snags where uh, the chapter is long enough that we probably didn't want to do two, but also mm-hmm. probably thin enough that doing one on its own and nothing else in the in our, in our you know usual uh, format would kind of be. Not not quite enough. It's kind of in the middle there. And also, uh, this is compounded by the fact that there was kind of no news this week. Uh, I don't know if you, you, you've you noticed, but we've had a lot of news for the last couple of weeks. And uh, we've got a reprieve. We've got a, we've got a week off on news this week. Right. It, it's been a bit quiet. And I, and I think that, you know, I wouldn't say we can't talk about Hagrid for two hours. <laughs> But I'm feeling like maybe maybe that's we, one where maybe yeah. we shouldn't. Right. So yeah, maybe we should. We we could we can talk for a long time about nearly anything. But uh, <laughs> you know, like they say in Jurassic Park, you know, you were so concerned with whether or not you could. Uh, you you know, you never stop to think whether or not you should. So I will right. get our our one little news item out of the way here. Uh, J.K. Rowling, which I'm. Hmm. I'm not sure if this is even worth attaching to J.K. Rowling, but that's what the BBC says is publishing four new Harry Potter ebooks. I was so excited when I saw this headline this morning, but alas, it's sort of a clickbaity thing. Uh, they are repackaging the History of Magic documentary and book into like an in-universe textbook series. It sounds like. Yeah, maybe we'll maybe we'll learn some things though. That's the thing is, I mm. they did release this book, and it was very expensive. I believe yes. it was and very so, expensive, and, and and you know we couldn't find a way to get it for less money, so it just kind of it was is on the table. You know, like maybe we'd get around to it, but I would mm-hmm. say that them releasing ebooks maybe speeds that process up a little bit uh, so yeah. maybe i'll i will finally learn what a charm is <laughs> the difference between a charm and a hex is i don't know what else could be in that book i i, I believe that they're split into subjects i, I yes. don't have it in front of me but it was like the first one is going to be like charms and potions in this i mean that's not the division but in the second one it's gonna be mm-hmm. you know curses and 
magical creatures so so maybe we will learn well the thing that's a little confusing about it is that the history of magic book is based on that um actually really cool uh museum uh tour that we watched the documentary about that was like all of the real world inspirations for stuff in harry potter so it was like it was where i got uh, uh, really, really antsy watching J.K. Rowling manhandle a, a medieval <laughs> text, right? Like, I, I right. was very uh, uh, upset about that. But, like, how do you whittle that down into an in-universe thing is what I, you know, because they can't talk about, like, this inspired Harry Potter. Like, like that would be very scary if that was a real textbook and you, and you, re- you managed to read a textbook about how the world you existed in was fictional um yeah they're probably i guess rewriting it into to like incorporate that stuff but like in a in a like like role play sort of way into into being like a textbook which i actually don't hate the idea of that that sounds like it could be kind of fun i like the old history of magic and quidditch through the ages charity book thing so maybe it's going to be something like that yeah, this will be a great reference text um, that will help me participate in the Neopets.com forum RPs <laughs> for Harry Potter. Kind of use it to insert some details. Yeah, or the Snitch Seeker ones, which we just found out existed. Mm-hmm. Honestly, maybe I shouldn't even say that. Snitch Seeker is like such a beautiful, untouched, uh, like like no contact website we found deep in the jungles of the internet uh, <laughs> and, and we shouldn't we shouldn't uh, uh point it out because like that website is just operating like a forum from 2004 and 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 uh and i want it to stay that way it's beautiful right i mean the neopets forums are kind of doing the same thing but mm-hmm. I, I think that what we really our takeaway here is that there are people just kind of out there in the wild uh still harry potter forum rping to this day yeah, I think that's beautiful. God, bring forums back. Social media killed killed forums, the most beautiful uh, 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 communication system that humanity ever had, in my right. opinion. I, I mean, th- this is definitely not Harry Potter related, but did you see that the um, Magic the Gathering forums, the big ones, are shutting down on Empty no, Salvation? No, really? After many, many years. That's many, tragic. Many, many posts. They are wow. archiving it, so, okay. so luckily uh, the posts won't just be lost to time like the MuggleNet forums. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is kind of the end of an era. And are, is, is is just that everyone's on Reddit now? Is that the like? Uh, it seems to be a bit complicated. Ah, okay. All right. Something well, about proprietary software making them not want to sell, and also they were acquired by Curse, and on and on and on. Oh wow. Okay. So a whole bunch of stuff. God, I I did a summer internship for Curse once upon a time. Ooh, uh, that was that was a long, long time ago. That's a story I should tell on here sometime, but <laughs> probably not today because we have a very, very important thing to talk about, which is, OK, we sat down and we were like, we're doing one chapter, but it's kind of a thin chapter. There's no news. What the hell are we going to do? Right. Uh, <laughs> and 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 I came through with a a beautiful discovery that I made the day before which was a trailer for a Lifetime movie about J.K. Rowling's life. Right. We didn't know what to do, so we did the worst thing possible. <laughs> yes, exactly. 
there there was a lifetime original uh unauthorized biopic i guess from 2011 so this would have aired like right after the last movie i think uh right on yeah kind of late um especially because the movie uh is focused on the premiere it's like centered around the premiere of the first movie so i was kind of surprised that it it, that it was this late i guess but i uh, you know maybe this was just like the last gasp of of um you know mainstream harry potter uh um, pop culture awareness stuff right you know, as, as the movie was, was coming to a close this thing is incredible i've seen lifetime movies before sure but they never fail to just surprise me in some way every single time yeah it, I, I don't know if i've ever seen a a biographical lifetime mm-hmm. film i think most of the ones that i have at least caught some bits and pieces of have been have been fictional although to be mm-hmm. fair i also mix them up a lot with hallmark movies so i might just be thinking of hallmark movies or maybe they're, they're the same i'm not basically really sure the same thing they might as well be um i think this is this is the first um biographical lifetime film i've ever watched but it really doesn't really it, it doesn't matter it's it's all the same it's it's all the same it is it is all uh the same weird slurry and goop um but i knew that we were in for a treat as soon as the film started because uh it starts with stock footage of of the premiere of the first harry potter movie um with a you know a bunch of news you know stretched out like like you know clearly shot on video old news footage uh, stretched out into widescreen to fit this this film aspect ratio and then it just cuts to the actress playing jk rowling inside a car <laughs> with a green screen background where the green screen is playing the same video uh and and we're off to the races i was like oh shit oh fuck this is going to be amazing it really was too every use of the green screen in this beautiful film um was really excellent and always completely unnecessary absolutely (laughs) we will be getting to some incredible great screen shenanigans in this film but this opening scene so it's it's the actress playing jk rowling is poppy montgomery who Mm -hmm. is a canadian actress by way of australia i believe so she's sort of fudging jk's accent here and you can tell you know it's not the worst but it's definitely not real it's it's very much an impression of her and to be fair it's a pretty good one like i'm it's definitely not, not i'm definitely not an, an accent expert or anything but at, at there were as far as an impression of jk rowling there were just so, some parts where i was like ah oh, that's pretty good that's yes. pretty good <laughs> yeah yeah i i feel like it, you know if you were doing like a real like expensive biopic production she wouldn't be the worst choice you know mm-hmm um but it was definitely odd uh, uh, uh it took some time getting used to probably because i'm just so used to watching you know we, we have a lot of video footage of jk um so we're kind of experts i guess in this field so so it might be difficult to pull the wool over our eyes so to speak right i wouldn't say that she did a very good um impression of her body language but that's no. just like the the most nitpicky of you know, of nitpicks I could possibly be. Did you see the guest list? What do I have to talk about with the Duchess of York, honestly? Whatever famous people talk about when they gather, like it or not, you're one of them now. Thank you. Thank you for coming with me. 
What kind of man wouldn't support his fiance? Right. I wish Mom was here. Joe, it may be their movie, but this is your night. You've earned the right to be proud. Enjoy it. Okay. Let's go. No, wait. I just need a moment, okay? Um, well, well, uh, good news is that, uh, she did then disappears for like the, I I guess like half the movie because, Mm -hmm. um, what the premise here is that she's in this car and she's like, oh, I can't believe that, that I'm, I'm seeing my movie. Uh, and then there's (laughs) her, her supportive fiance, now husband, I, I believe Neil, the doctor guy, uh, the actor playing him looks and sounds absolutely nothing like the real one they they really sort of uh clearly were focused on getting jk right as right as they could and and nobody else um he looks like someone cosplaying fucking why can't i remember the actor's name really famous actor who's the who's the guy who's the life finds a way guy you know i'm not gonna be able to help you with this god damn it he was in he's in everything why can't i'm gonna feel so Uh, stupid Jeff Goldblum, thank you. He looks like someone doing like a cosplay of Jeff Goldblum's character in, in Jurassic mm-hmm. Park. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, wow, I cannot believe I forgot who Jeff Goldblum was. Um, uh, but she says, you know, he, she's, he, you know, she says something really weird, like, like, why are you here, or something like, like, or like, what are we doing here? And he says, like, oh what kind of fiance would I be if I didn't support my cool, talented fiance? And and she's like, right. Uh, And then she says, I just need a minute. And she flashes back to being like seven years old. And this (laughs) is how the movie is framed. She is having an out of body experience in the car before getting out uh, at the, at the uh, Sorcerer's Stone premiere and this is going to be the framing device for the entire movie uh is her growing up and noticing things that will then become parts of the story (laughs) it is so good so we start with her in um in the woods playing with her sister uh she's she's a small child and like this this blonde bully kid walks up to her wearing a like very prominent like school uh boarding school house uniform mm. and like starts like making fun of her for dressing like a witch because she's got this like hat on and she's carrying a broom uh and then she like ropes him into their game they're playing and is like we got to go to the forbidden woods and you have to hold the <laughs> stick and it's a wand uh and don't and to, to say the magic words you need to flick and swish which I'm really confused about whether like the writer got it backwards or is that like a trademark thing? I think like, it must be because this is just fully unauthorized, right? That That's my, mm. what I would assume. Um, but they can say Harry Potter and JK Rowling, right? Like they've got, they can do that, but they yeah. can't. Yeah, I'm not really sure how that sort of thing works for something like this. Yeah, it's very odd. Um 
so so we're already off to the races here we're just sort of it's just it, like like most of this movie from now on is sort of like a scavenger hunt of like can you pick out all of the things that she notices and incorporates into her story i want to know why like what like t- time to put put on our film class 101 hats and try uh-huh. to figure out what that is telling us about jk rowling's life or what what that's trying to tell us about like creative inspiration because from what all i can tell is that this is a movie that's just like about predestination oh a hundred percent this movie this movie is so invested in the idea of jk rowling as like like a destined savior and like she's not like other you know like like we'll get into this later but like you know she's not like the other poor people who don't care about their children she wants to write a book for the right reasons <laughs> right you know like like she's she is divinely inspired mm-hmm. um, um so we're introduced to her mom uh and her her dad who have a an argument about how smart their daughter is and how cool she is and how mm-hmm. um uh sh- she could be either a writer or she could be a smart doctor or she can do anything she puts her mind to right like like just anything um they they do a thing in this that i i i was very bothered by and i looked this up i guess that the movie was filmed in canada so you know and i guess lifetime's an american channel but when they talk about this they talk about her major which uh-huh. is not a thing in england like that, that's that's oh, is not it what not? you say no you don't say major um and then they also say at one point attorney which you wouldn't say either like 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 those aren't the those aren't the terms you would use um so like very very obviously like not an english production um and i guess this also answers the other thing that i you know was questioning which is why all the school and like London quote unquote scenes were filmed on the same street. And it's probably because there's like <laughs> one street in, in British Columbia that they were like, Oh, this kind of, this has cobblestones. This looks like London. Uh, and so Perfect. yeah, they'll, there's like three shots of the same cobblestone street with different, different cars driving up and down them in establishing shots. It's very funny. So she goes to school uh, as a child and uh, she's just, you know, she's just too darn, cool and smart and and talented for for you know to to do school work she has a teacher who's very much like professor mcgonagall and um, by the by that you mean is doing a professor mcgonagall is, impression yes is 100 percent just doing an impression of maggie smith uh then um she she changes schools you know she's a little bit older we're just kind of like going through a montage uh she has a professor who is literally just professor snape but like a supportive snape which is very funny um <laughs> he's mr Nettleship. uh but he's he is he is snape he has uh horrible sideburns and is wearing all black uh and and uh, is mean to her but because he wants the best for her uh just like she's snape also- just like Snape, thank you. Um, also, I I don't know if you noticed this, but I, I only noticed this on like my like skim through of the movie again before this episode. Is that mm-hmm. the crest of the school that she's at is a white owl here? So, oh. so just another another little another Easter egg here. She's also like bullied in this scene in like really funny ways. Like like a character named Parkinson 
uh, as in Pansy, mm, uh, mm-hmm. fights her in the hall. Like, they have, like, an actual fist fight in the hall. Um, this movie also paints a picture of J.K. Rowling that I think is way cooler than she ever was. Because she, like, gets in, like, a karate fight with Pansy. And then, as we see after this, she goes punk. Uh, in, right. in her, like, next school flashback is that she's just, like, a straight-up cool punk teen. Yeah, she's mostly dressed up. Um, oh God, what's what's the character in Greece's name? The the girl That's, doesn't mm, doesn't matter. Not gonna. I I can't help you there. Doesn't matter. Uh, she's dressed up like that, like in the last scene of Greece, where it's like, oh, she's a cool punk now, and she's smoking cigarettes. Yeah, she's got a cool leather jacket. She's got like crimped hair. You thought she had an undercut at one point, which I did too. Like I like, did. Her hair is like fully parted like it is entirely on one side over the top it's like crimped and is huge and i just i swear like i thought that she had an undercut on one side i was like ah, it's so cool but uh, lifetime is is cowards for sure they should have just given her a cool undercut that would have been great yeah so but there's like this scene of her like you know oh in one of the funniest transitions of the entire film, by the way. So like there's there's this part where, you know, after she's been beat up and, you know, she's had her karate fight with Pansy. She's like in the bathroom with her mom and she's like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. And her mom is like, life is about absorbing everything and then picking out the stuff you don't like, mm. finding what's right for you. And then like in the middle of this motivational speech just like collapses And I'm not trying to be like, I look, I'm not trying to be being here. Um, You know, her mom had MS. Uh, It's very tragic. The way that this film handles it is maybe the funniest thing I've ever seen. Uh, It is it stumbles at every opportunity to to in, you know, inject any sense of real pathos into this by just being fucking absurd. Uh, So she collapses mid motivational speech um while the music is still playing while the like the rousing motivational music is still playing we cut to the hospital uh where jk's like adult sister like 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 at least 15 or 16 i would say like at the very least this actress is you know this is a this is a a young adult a teenager saying what's wrong with mommy (laughs) And JK's like, oh, uh, you know, mom, mom's got MS, you know, multiple yeah, multiple sclerosis. It's very bad. And uh, and the, the sister's like, what does that mean? And 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 JK has to explain that it means mommy's very sick, which is just like these are these are teenagers. They're in like they're like, like their last year of high school. They're picking colleges, right? Like they're talking to each other about like what college they're going to go to. You don't need to do the like like talking around death to a child routine to her, right? Like it's very strange. There is even there is even a part where the the younger sister like tries like she has multiple sclerosis and then JK Rowling is like multiple sclerosis. Yeah. It's it, it <laughs> she is talking to her like she is 5 years old. Well, it's multiple sclerosis. Multiple sclerosis. It means mommy's very sick. Want to get her a shot? I don't think they have a shot for this. It's so funny. She's taller. The other actress is taller than her. (laughs) 
but then the like the cherry on top of this is like after this like like attempt at a heart-wrenching scene we just hard slam to punk music playing and jk rowling running out to this car she's going to get better isn't she to meet ronald um mm. who is her her moppy red-headed friend in this blue ford anglia uh and you know while while this music is blaring she says let's fly <laughs> you know like the car just like Woo! the car do you remember that just like the car then they go to the river and they're like there's this amazing like like i wish this was i i don't think i i think jk has like alluded to having like a rebel phase or whatever mm -hmm. but like not in any specifics right like no no details of like what that means you know everyone has a your rebel phase could be like i'm gonna watch tv past my bedtime right like like we don't know that 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 literally meant she was a punk um but we get this incredible shot of her like 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 downing a cigarette in one puff and then like chucking a beer bottle into the river it is so <laughs> funny uh and then it's very at odds with like what the what the ronald character is saying to her about how, you know how cool and smart she is uh, you know, she could, you know, she could get into Oxford if she tried because they have a cool writing program. Uh, and and, you know, but he's frustrated because, you know, she says she's a writer, but she never shows him anything. Hmm. Uh, and then he says, maybe you could put me in one of your books someday. To which oh. J.K. Rowling says, you're such a Weasley guy. Maybe you could write me into one of your stories. You're such a Weasley guy. This film is not subtle. No, it's really not. I mean, uh, throughout this guy is also just doing a hilarious Rupert Grint impression. Oh my on top god, of it's that. so and his, funny. His hair looks like the hair that Rupert Grint has in um, in Order of the Phoenix. Yes. Except he's straightened it because they're punks yeah <laughs> but it is like bright red um yeah. also this is supposed to be sean right yes the, the the extra level of awkwardness here is we we got that one earlier documentary of her going to the river with sean uh-huh and and talking vaguely about their relationship and then also the weird thing from uh, when she apologized for uh, making Harry and Ginny and Ron and Hermione a thing, where she's like, I, I guess it was wish fulfillment. I'm or so haunted by that. I still it's don't know what it means. So, I, I think it's pretty obvious what it means, honestly. There's, there's, it's, it's so, I feel so bad for Sean. <laughs> like, like. <laughs> to the richest actress in the world is like yeah i wish you know <laughs> he's probably just a just little like, bit of wish fulfillment yeah just me too man like, <laughs> like, like just oh my god poor guy um uh so then uh she gets rejected from oxford uh 
uh, and and Ron Weasley is like, well, you could still go to Exeter. This is the funniest like conversation they have too because uh, she has this really whiny argument with her parents that is also framed in a way where I don't think we're supposed to think she's being whiny. Like we're supposed to sympathize with her. I did not. No, absolutely not. <laughs> like like she didn't get into Oxford. Boohoo. Um, and she's going, like, I want to be a writer. I want to go to Oxford because they have such a good writing program. And she's like throwing this tantrum. And we cut to that same sister who like said, you know, what's wrong with mommy? And she's like, there's just this insert shot of her yelling. They will be they would be lucky to have you. It's so <laughs> funny. It's like it's shot like they're arguing, but she's just like yelling support at her sister. <laughs> uh it's like a tim and eric sketch it's so fucking funny uh so they have this like explosive argument about like like maybe you should get a different degree and you can still write like like you you can write no one's gonna stop you <laughs> yeah no one's stopping you from <laughs> writing and we just cut from this explosive argument from her graduating from uh from exeter in languages uh, and it's like i don't know what we're supposed to feel in the scenes it's like am i supposed to think like oh she took the easy path out or like am i supposed to think this is good it's it, i have no idea like what i'm supposed to feel about like the character of jk rowling in this i suppose just like adoration right like complete utter adoration at all times yeah i mean that the the comment the only common thread that i could find is that the movie really wants you to believe I mean, there's the thing, right? She's a real person, so she is technically going to write the Harry Potter books. But I, I think like the thread that that runs through the whole thing is like you you are she is destined, right? You're watching her like yes. go through the paces of life and be like, how is she going to arrive at her destiny? And somehow that's represented by her encountering stuff from Harry Potter in her real life beforehand. <laughs> uh, I will say there is there is one. I would say like mildly okay editing gag slash like like trick here, which is that she graduates from uh you know we cut from like the the Exeter graduation ceremony, which is like very colorful and bright and triumphant to this very like like dull like glib shot of her the office that she works at out of college, which is on Oxford Street. Like there's just like a big Oxford Street sign. I was like, oh, okay, that's like you did, you did, you did like a, a bare minimum like fun editing thing here. Um, but she's working at Amnesty International in this office on Oxford Street, and she she hates her job so fucking much because her boss comes over and asks, "Can you <laughs> hand me this paper? Can you can you find me this report, please?" Uh, and 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 she hates that um, she has a phone call with her mom about how much she hates her job, and then her boss who is like in the office adjacent to her desk calls her in and instead of being like hey what the fuck are you doing can you like stop being like so negative at work we work at like a non-profit charity like like what's the what's please, your fucking please have deal? your personal calls about how much you hate your job uh more than 10 feet away from me <laughs> right uh and instead of like 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 being like hey what the fuck her boss is just like Joe, something doesn't feel right about you being here. You, you, know, you, 
you're you're meant for bigger things you should follow your dreams which i guess is still firing her but he fires her in like this really weird benevolent like like benevolent storytelling way where he's like you know i'm setting you free fly fly my little rider like it's so fucking bizarre I know it was a personal call. It was my mum. And I didn't mean it when I said I wasn't supposed to be working. Your heart is in the right place. But you should be doing what makes you happy. Right. I I'm honestly was very surprised because I did not know until you told me when this movie came out. And at this scene, I dated it around, like, 2000 and so i was mm -hmm. like oh this probably came out around the time that the first movie came out mm -hmm. um because this scene is um really reminded me of the episode of early edition that we watched that was about um the guy who wanted to kill his boss because he hated <laughs> his job yeah yes 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 and and it was just that that perfect like 90s inspirational like oh, you hate your boring office job where your boss asks you for papers and tells you to meet deadlines? Well, you should quit and go go do your dream job and go work at a, a fanciful, whimsical bookstore. Yes, right? Like, yeah. like this, is, this is such a 90s attitude. And I don't know if that means that was something that you just could do in the 90s. Like, oh, I hate my job. Guess I'll just quit and mm -hmm. go do something that I care about. Uh, but right. it reminded, so I was very surprised that this came out so much later than that. It, I mean, it fucking looks like it. I came guess it's out. a lifetime movie, so they're just making the same movies uh -huh. forever. Like that, it's it's all the same formula. So we then cut to her on a train. Mm, I guess the you know, I train, guess she, right? The train, right? She's looking out the window, which is a beautiful green screen shot of the countryside that is not even close to the correct perspective mm -mm. for the shot. No, nope. uh, it is. It is fantastic. It just looks like there's a screen. It looks like she's watching a YouTube video on like a big screen next to her. It is so <laughs> funny. And then the trolley lady comes uh and and the trolley lady is like oh do you want anything from the trolley and jk says i fucking hate my life my boss fired me to follow my dreams i don't know what my dream is i i don't have any money i'm single uh i didn't go to the college i wanted to go to i fucking hate everything and the, and the trolley lady is like well do you want some candy then bitch like like <laughs> it's so weird she just like bites the trolley lady's head off and and the trolley lady's like, oh, you need some, oh, you just need some some candy from the trolley. Compliments of British Rail, la di da di da. And then and then I guess like J.K. Rowling just like you know eats her candy and has a nap like an angry child, uh, and then has a dream about meeting Harry Potter. Did she even go to sleep? I thought she was just having some sort of waking vision. Oh, it might. Be. No, she closes her eyes. She like she like eats one piece of candy and like settles down uh uh and then and then like and then and has a vision of uh you know walking through the forest she she was played in as a child uh and she sees all this like harry potter paraphernalia on the ground and then she looks up and there's a there's a small boy in the photoshop cartoon filter <laughs> turns around and looks at her balefully and she goes oh, harry potter your name is harry potter there's like uh, so a thunderclap sound and he gets a scar. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 
I, it's very ominous. It looks like she's meeting like her demon seed or something. It's very scary. Uh, she's on. So she gets off the train, uh, and she's visiting her parents. Uh, and uh, I guess her mom dies. That's is that what happens next? Yeah, yes, because yeah, her mom dies. Uh, and I made the joke that she saw all the black f- funeral like clothes and was like, "Wizards wear robes," like, <laughs> uh, which I don't think is like as explicit in this. There is a very very funny scene where she like after you know like after the wake or whatever, she like goes to her mom's bedroom and pulls out this like paper we can't see what it is but she starts crying and then her sister comes in and is like oh my god she kept it after all these years i'm like kept what after all these years i knew it because i have known this this lore about her forever yeah she talks about it in every interview <laughs> right like she, so she wrote like a story or whatever is that like like do you want to explain it because I, I i was yeah, really yeah like it's like her her kind of stock answer and i certainly don't blame her her the person for this but like no. when everyone asks her like when when did you know you wanted to be a writer or what or like when did you first start writing she her stock answer is like i wrote my first story when i was like six years old and it was called rabbit or something mm-hmm. and it was like you know i mean a lot of kids do that so she always yeah. she always brings that up but that's that's what we see in in her mom's book book scrapbook yeah stuff. it's a really weird scene because we didn't we never see it b- before right like we, we, see her mom we know it because we know the lore <laughs> yeah but, but but in this movie i was really baffled for a minute because i was like what is she talking about like kept what after all these years which is remarkable because we we i think probably the the biggest problem with this movie is the pacing because it's just like the amount of time that is spent on stuff just com- seems completely random. Oh yeah, and- we're we're twenty minutes in still. By the way, like like it is it is a right. Like they spend so much time on her childhood and these like long extended scenes of her like playing playing in the woods or like having these moments of of like cosmic inspiration mm-hmm. and not once could they set up this story that she wrote like like in no. all of. In all of that time where she's like telling her mom she wanted to be a writer, we couldn't like see her writing the story that her mom would later have kept to to lead up to this emotional scene. No, no, <laughs> no. She's just crying over a thing we can't see that we don't know about. Um. So she gets a job in Portugal as an English teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have this very hilarious, whimsical scene where she's writing a, a letter to her sister about how pretty Portugal is and how cool her roommates are. Anya is from Cork, very cocky, but equally sweet once you get to know her. And then there's Jill, she's sort of the mother hen. Though she's actually younger than we are, she has a way of keeping Anya in line. The roommate characters are my favorite. Yeah, Uh, they're good. They're good. Uh, They're definitely girlfriends. Yes. Jill, I think, is the one that she says is the the mother hen. She's got like these, these very, very stark long bangs and then there's (laughs) anya who is a very uh opinionated welsh girl (laughs) who is just constantly owning jk like at every opportunity it's very funny um this looks like a sitcom all this there's like this montage of them like all hanging out and drinking wine there's like this 
there's like this goofy scene where she's like talking about like oh it's so wonderful living with my wacky roommates and it's like (laughs) jill is popping open a bottle of wine and like anya walks over and slaps jk on the ass like it's just like really (laughs) weird like sitcom intro scene stuff it's it's very strange but she's in portugal she's teaching english she has a moment where she says how on earth can i expect to teach someone english when i don't speak portuguese which is a really good question actually uh and i guess the movie solves this by having her pick up an apple that's on her desk and say apple uh and what and you know a bunch of portuguese guys start nodding and writing us stuff on some paper i guess i don't know how that stuff worked at the time that this was supposed to take place but I think that that is like pretty common. I guess I don't it really is, know yeah. anything that that you go. I mean, I think that there's like, like maybe a intro class or like a training where you learn like the basics. But I think pretty commonly when you do those programs to go teach English overseas, you don't you don't really uh, yeah yeah know you're... the language. But I'm I'm glad that the movie could tell us how that works by having her throw <laughs> an apple in the air uh, like Ryuk from Death Note and say apple. <laughs> uh so her her roommates immediately after her jk rowling saying like oh uh jill is the jill is the like the studious uh uh protective one jill like bust like kicks her door down wearing a party dress and is like we're going out tonight uh and they drag jk rowling out to this hilarious tapas bar um (laughs) and the like like hilarious fake ricky martin music is playing this is like so they're like i'd say like a good third of this movie takes place in portugal the music is just constant it is constantly playing like spicy party dot wav like it is <laughs> it is so stupid and like stereotypical it's very very funny also like i i know that they're like similar but portugal and spain are not the same thing they were not really going going for accuracy here i don't Um, think they put any thought or work into it at all i'm pretty sure that they got all the music on youtube like last minute (laughs) like finding the like royalty free whatever spicy music they could find yeah so they they do this thing they get to the bar jk rowling starts yelling for the bartender and gets frustrated that he doesn't immediately come and give them drinks which is like that's maybe the most perfect uh jk rowling (laughs) like just most perfect uh characterization of her that they that they have in this film um but they like set up this weird cover story it's like okay if any if any cute boys ask like you're from you you're from the guardian and you're her handmaiden like she like it's like a very fucking weird setup that they just have some, here just some wacky stuff i think that this scene is there to to show that jk rowling is creative y- That's yeah the only thing. like she can really can tell a story yeah, she she weaves a, a wacky story to tell the boys. Um, right. Uh, and so, like, Jill goes off and starts dancing with this guy, and then Anya, I, I guess, like, goes to, like, join in or like, watch them or whatever. So it's just JK alone at the bar, and and uh, this this man comes over, and he's like... And he's, he's doing his best Antonio Banderas impersonation, and he orders uh, two wines, please, from the bartender, and he immediately mm-hmm. gets the bartender's attention. Right. This guy is her uh, first husband. 
yeah who we know uh jk rowling was you know she left him uh, it was a you know abusive relationship i don't know if we have like any specific details um but i i don't know if she's really gotten too into you know not that she needs to um but but lifetime lifetime gets its lifetime on here uh, right uh, yeah big time i think that we have some weird information because i think i I can't really remember because i think it was mostly like a tabloid story that the guy got mad about some of the stuff that she'd said about him. I mean, I mean, he's clearly like a fucking piece of work, right? Like yeah, yeah. in real life. Um, right. So I think that there was some kind of messy details of some sort in the press, uh, but I'm not, I don't really know, know what they are. And I think she has been pretty, pretty vague and, and doesn't like to talk about it much. Yeah. So, so what does Lifetime do? Uh, they, they make him like the stereotypical, like spanish playboy guy mm-hmm. uh and so which means that he he uh wears very funny shirts all the time yes uh he is very nosy uh he they're like their first major argument happens literally two minutes after they meet in the film which is she invites him up to the apartment and she's like going to get changed or whatever and he starts reading harry potter like her mm-hmm. manuscript yeah uh, and she gets out and she's super mad and she's like you can't just come in here like i don't know you like like you can't like come in here and just like read my stuff and he goes oh no i think i am falling in love with a beautiful writer joanna get out you need to go please let me let me say one thing what what do you want to say i think i'm falling in love with a great writer Uh, and she and she is like, oh, well, this is good then. I like this mm-hmm. guy now. Uh, uh, he complimented me. Um, then they have a kid. Oh no! It's uh, God. I'm 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 like like just like making sure I'm like getting the order of events here right because this movie is so fucking funny. Immediately after that, they go out. Like Jill, Anya, and J.K. are like hanging out, and and Anya's like fuck fuck that guy he sucks you hate him we hate him we all know it like leave that guy um and then they like go out for drinks and he's like at a different fancy tapas bar making out with another lady so jk storms out and is mad and then he chases her out. he's like no it's not what it looks like i i love you you are a, a smart and beautiful writer uh and she's cool with that again um then they have a kid and she's like this kid is my ticket to not having a shitty relationship and anya's like you're fucking stupid um then we get the absolutely horrible like maximum lifetime domestic abuse scene this is where i was like oh right this is a lifetime movie it's it is so wild this is obviously like the most graphic thing i mean that that happens in the movie this is this is the big like uh you know rock bottom she is she is she is at rock bottom moment as far as like the narrative course of this film mm-hmm. um i this is the part where i could not figure out why they spent fucking 30 minutes on like random like oh it is snape in in her classroom <laughs> and it, like like these just like long scenes that don't matter and say nothing and yet 
it wants to pack in this story about domestic abuse and it does so in 10 minutes at most we've had three not even it's like seven minutes of him existing it's like we get they meet he reads harry potter he cheats on her she tries to break up with him he says well marry me they get married they have a baby he abuses her that's it (laughs) And that's it. And it's like in seven minutes, you just get like this crash course and it's horrible. It's like, um, it's, fuck, it's fucking sad multi-fandom AMV. Like yes! there's just no, there's oh no God. context for their their relationship or nope. anyth- anything about their characters. It just is banking. And, and like, honestly, like it is a very horrific scene in and of itself because like any scene of domestic abuse is going to be horrific but there's no there's no context it it is just no. i mean that's the that's the lifetime shit right is that like it's like a tearjerker with with no real real narrative context you're just sad cuz you're witnessing a sad thing sad multi fandom <laughs> Well, uh, and, and I mean, and it's really leering too, and that's the part that made it so uncomfortable. Is it's like you know, it's it's it, 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 domestic abuse is never going to be a uh, a pleasant thing to shoot into a film ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like there are probably ways you can get around it uh, that don't involve like really uncomfortably close handheld shaky cam shots of him like pinning her down and slapping her around. Right, like it's real. It, like it, it it's 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 such a uh, uh director flex right like you can tell that this is the part everyone was excited to shoot right because it's the one like all of this movie is shot like completely flat boring no no interesting camera work no no it's like just the bare minimum right and then all of a sudden we get this very intense like handheld shaky cam thing that's like lingering for too long on everything to make it extra uncomfortable and it's like oh okay you're th- it's, this is it's very uncomfortable and i was very embarrassed for everyone involved in making this movie at this point like i definitely had the, like a level of secondhand embarrassment like oh this is what you think is good well it's it's very like again the scene itself not funny pretty horrific i will say i was i was taken aback by the absurdity of what was going on just because it was him coming home and the first thing i noticed was that they had you knew that he was drunk because they had hit him with the drunk guy spray bottle <laughs> like like they, they you know they they gotten the mister out and they were like okay now go beat up jk rowling right like like you, you any any tv character who's who's uh who's gotten drunk uh has been hit with the mister and like you know one one piece of hair is out of place uh, and their forehead's a little bit moist, so you know that something's gonna about to go down, right? And I, I was like, I, oh no. I just can't I just can't get over that this was their big scene, their big scene that they cared about, which like quite a questionable decision in the first place, if you ask yeah. me. And it is sandwiched between these long, exceptionally boring segments that have nothing to do with it. No, absolutely like, not. Like, bu- like before and after this huge, huge moment for this movie. Like, first part is just like boring childhood, long, long scenes, and then after it, we get just like, like a, like it's just like a phone call. Like the whole rest of the movie is just people making phone calls. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, we even we even get the so Anya, I assume 
someone calls the cops and some very helpful cops come and and take take the the husband away um ah the inspiration for horrors (laughs) oh no sorry it's very tasteless this movie is so fucked up though oh no you're right though um there's what is his life there's that hilarious thing where he like breaks away from the cops and he's like oh you got what you wanted joe like like just really really hamming hamming it up doesn't he say something like go be a writer then yeah like something like that you go go be all right ah joe you got exactly what you wanted so then we get uh jk rowling going on the dole Mm -hmm. which is very um uh, uh fucked up because the entire premise of this is like no no she's not like the other poor people she's a good one no yeah this the, every scene where we see her struggling is just invested in telling us both that don't worry she is the good poor and also like she's destined for something greater these other poor people this is what they're destined for but jk rowling yeah. definitely not like she she has um harry potter visions i guess right well it's it's like fucked up on so many levels because we have this weird scene where the she's like talking to the social worker and like the social worker is just straight up evil right? right like like just absolutely horrible and she's but the but the weird thing is that she's only we know she's evil only because they have sort of like lit her to look like a crone uh she has very like scary black hair and is wearing all black like it's very just like like oh okay this is the evil character i guess because nothing she's really saying other than the fact that she's saying in like a mean tone of voice is that ridiculous like she's asking like you know where were you living like how many children do you have do you plan to get a job like like what's you know what what assistance you need but she's saying it in like a really like menacing way and like way and jk's like jk like looks like she's oh oh that's such a that's a personal question it's like yeah well you're trying to figure out how much money they need to give you right like like it's not this isn't the inquisition um uh but she doesn't get much money um 69 pounds a month or a week nice um which again is a really weird thing because i couldn't help but feel about like like think about like jk rowling in real life has talked about how helpful welfare is it was for her uh and this movie is making a big deal about like how shitty welfare can be you know how, how how little it can be and how confusing the rules can be but the conclusion that it comes to and also the conclusion that the real jk came clearly came to was not damn someone should make welfare better and easier it's uh damn good thing i wrote a book yeah uh, yeah, it's the like, oh, if I was on welfare, I would simply write the most successful book series of all time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Because she, um, you know, she goes to this apartment and she's like, you know, the 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 person showing her the flat is like, like, oh, you know, it's it's such and such this this a month. And like, where do you work? You we'll, we'll need to see your first two pay stubs or whatever. She's like, oh, uh, actually, I'm on assistance. And she like the, the, the lady's like, oh, I'm sorry, we can't except people who are on assistance and and she goes no but i'll i'm gonna write i'm gonna i'm gonna work i'm never gonna do anything fun for myself i'm only i I live for my child i'm not like these other poor people and 
the she wins over the apartment lady and the the lady says like no one who cares about their child that much could be bad i need to find a home for my daughter i will do anything to provide a home for my daughter and uh, it's as if being an assistant makes me less of a human being but i'm not i'm not a bad person i'm a mother trying to provide for my child and I just need someone to give me a chance. So if you let me this flat, I promise you I will never be late with my rent. I will never complain about anything. I won't even ask you to do any repairs. All I will right. be the best tenant All right. I've ever... <laughs> All right, you can have the flat. Really? Eh? <laughs> no woman who cares for her child that much can be a risk. Thank oh, you. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so sorry. Hmm. <laughs> Which is the most insane logic I've ever heard. And, and like, just the, the idea that, like, to be the good poor person, you must prostrate yourself before the landlord or whatever. It's so insane. Yeah, and, and this is in, like, direct contrast, I assume, to the person that J.K. Rowling sits down next to at w when she's, at, like, at the, the government office to get her assistance. And there's mm -hmm. this lady sitting next to her, and she's sitting there with, like, her, her baby or whatever. And J.K. Rowling has her baby. And the lady says, like, you know, is this your first time or, or something like that? And J.K. Rowling says yes. And she says, like, don't worry. Like, ha like have your – once you have your second baby – the assistance gets much better the implication being like oh this is someone who's milking the system having yeah. babies just to get more money which yeah. doesn't fucking happen folks uh, yeah. um so so it, like this movie definitely like tries to have it both ways because it wants to highlight like the struggle that jk rowling has she has like this extended conversation that's like oh but if I have any money in the bank, my assistance gets cut off. So it like, like I'm stuck in the system, but it also really wants to show that like, oh, some people are taking advantage of the system. And, and I guess like that kind of draws a line, like, oh, people who are taking advantage of it are ruining it for people like JK Rowling who need it. Like, it's, right. it's just like, I'm like, it really wants to have it in every way possible. But I guess that is exactly what I would expect. Yeah. Uh, the apartment she gets to is super funny because it's clearly like on some soundstage that they have to like repurpose for any Lifetime movie. Um, <laughs> but it's like it's like the the basic shitty apartment thing, except it looks like a wartime apartment. It's so funny. Like the walls are like yellowing. She hasn't hung anything anywhere. It looks like something that like spies would meet in in like a in, like a movie about like people in Berlin right like it's, it does it's, kind of <laughs> it's very funny um so her sister come oh before we move on from the welfare thing the last time we see the the welfare office lady she comes and and like vamps in front of jk again about how like you can't get a job because you'll you know if you if you have too much money in the bank you'll lose your assistance and like you know jk is like well what am i gonna do and like the lady pulls out this shitty stuffed bear from her pocket and is like <laughs> sometimes we get secondhand toys to give to the children and like just gives her this shitty bear this never comes up again and also the acting is so weird i can't tell if jk genuinely appreciates it or hates it i like, can't it's, tell if it's supposed to be a genuinely nice gesture or not i actually have no clue yeah what i'm I, supposed to think of it there is a callback to it though later when jk rowling gets rich and buys her daughter a big large bear oh that's right like yeah you got this shitty bear well what if we got you but a now really I'm rich. big one yeah. yeah 
so her sister comes to visit her in the apartment and JK like is like, I've ruined my life, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and her sister's like, no, you haven't. You're so cool and nice and you're doing everything right. Um, and, and JK goes to the closet and pulls out this special box to show her the manuscript for the first Harry Potter. The epilogue's in there. It. Huh? The epilogue is in there. Yeah, but yeah, she pulls out the yellow folder. She has the yellow folder with the last chapter in it. Um, and uh, her sister reads it. There's this amazing part where, uh, you know, she's like, we get all these shots of like JK, like, like staring out the window and like, you know, putting her head in her hands while her sister's reading it and you know, not not saying anything. And then when her sister finishes it, JK like walks over and screams, what do you think? Like they just, she's really, really like, like intense. I was like, "What do you think of my book? Did you uh, like it? Did you like it?" Uh, and her sister's like, "Yeah, it's great. She's like, you should, you should get an agent." Uh, so now we enter the end game of the film. My favorite, favorite part of this movie uh, is her finishing the manuscript, you know, polishing it up and sending it off to an agent. Uh, she wanders through fake london and uh and sees she's first she sees a sign that says like potter street mm. and she looks at this sign and then she says out loud well if that isn't a sign i don't know what is i'm like yes jk that is a sign uh <laughs> she she goes to a cafe and and she goes to like the, the you know the famous cafe that she or i'm sorry she's not in london she's in edinburgh um she she goes to this famous cafe and and you know sits down and starts writing and uh uh there's a very insane scene of her noticing a uh, guys in the corner playing chess and the chess comes to life and then we get a shot of her feet and then her like grass starts growing and her feet get stuck to the floor because she's imagining the forbidden forest all uh, the while there is this like knockoff Hedwig's theme playing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it, it isn't Hedwig's theme, but it uses like some of the same instrumentation and is like very close ish yeah. to it. It's just like the funniest like fake Harry Potter music. Uh she goes to the welfare office, she goes to the bank. So first she sees the bank mm. like like stretch a little bit so it looks more fantasy-ish <laughs> and it's like very shitty CGI. And then she walks in and there's the guy stamping all the, you know, assistance claims, you know, and it's like a normal guy. And then when he hands her her check, he's got a goblin hand. And oh, my. All of the all of the people handing out uh, welfare are horrible little goblins. Good. Mm, No comment on that. Mm, Yum, yum. Good. Uh, and she walks past or she oh no she goes to the supermarket and she uh, buys all her groceries and then she looks across the street and she sees a typewriter in the window uh, and she gets everything out of her cart you know she, she takes this huge bottle of wine out and is like not this uh, not, not she, this Carlo Rossi not my Carlo Rossi just the baby food I'm going to uh, not eat this week and buy a typewriter and then we see her type all the manuscript up and send it off to my favorite character in the film the agent guy christopher little i believe his name is he's so fancy he's a very fancy boy um he is he's the owner of this publishing company uh he has this this shitty secretary 
who who like takes in the pile of unsolicited uh, uh, manuscripts, plunks them down on her desk, and is like, <laughs> "I hate the unsolicited pile." And then the fancy lad comes in wearing his like traveling cloak and is like, "He's clearly the Dumbledore, even though she's already written the book." Uh, right, which is very funny. But he's he's the Dumbledore, and he says, "Remember." To always go through the 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 unsolicited <laughs> pile because you never know where where hidden treasure might be, <laughs> uh, or whatever. And she's like, "Oh, okay." And then she so she goes through it, and then she reads Harry Potter. She like plunks it down on her chair because she's like, "Oh, this is good." Uh, and then it pivots from him being like, "Oh, you should always read the unsolicited pile," to her loving this manuscript so much the secretary loves this fucking manuscript so much that she's like storming into his office going like if you don't give this children's book all of your money i'm going to kill myself like she's just so invested in this she's like i'm gonna fucking quit if you if you don't if you don't represent jk rowling i will i will (laughs) i will fucking go ballistic i will ape shit on you if you do not if you do not read this book and he doesn't want to because it's a children's book so you know kind of hypocritical of him to be like ah always check the unsolicited pile but if it's a children's book fuck that we don't like those (laughs) read it i don't have to read it the title tells me everything i need to know read it or i'll quit will you well no but you will lose any of the respect you've so slowly earned with me uh there's a whole thing about how like children's books never make any money which i just don't think is true like children's authors can get pretty fucking successful right like it's not a jk rowling's not an i mean she's not an anomaly in the sense that she she got super popular but like children's books are popular that's what that's a constant like like get rich quick scheme right it's like oh i will i will write a, a good children's book I'm not really sure. I feel like there was a a time or or get the impression that this was a common thought at like but now it is different. Like I think I think that Harry Potter kind of changed that a okay. little bit. Yeah, that maybe that makes sense. I just I just found this this thing so strange cuz he was so adamant that like oh, a children's book will never make any money. And instead of the secretary going like fuck you just read it she's like oh but it's not a children's book which i'm sorry it is a children's book philosopher's stone is definitely a children's book the the thing that i don't i feel like there's probably like a process right like i assume i assume that like whatever publishing company although i i'm I'm not really clear like he's an agent um i like there are some publishing companies that that have a division that publishes children's books it isn't really (laughs) like a matter of I don't know. It it doesn't matter. For as much for as much time as this spends on the publishing uh side of things, I I have no clue. This is more of a character film. <laughs> <laughs> well, good news. We get we get plenty of these characters of the secretary uh yelling at the fancy lad and the fancy lad taking JK Rowling out to lunch. Uh and a lot of phone calls. There's so much phone calling going on here. It's the rest uh, of the movie. The rest of the movie is is the secretary. Someone, the secretary will get a letter. The the secretary will then phone her boss, who's like they're definitely fucking right. Oh, like yeah. that 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 was. It's it's such a weird like this the weird like oh I'll quit thing. It just felt like such it a. It like, is wait, a bizarre what? dynamic for sure. I don't um, think on purpose. No, no. Um, the fancy lad will then call J.K. and say, 
ah, congratulations, JK. We, we might have found you a, a publisher. Now I'm going to the Americas, and I will and I will be making more phone calls there. And he sits in a hotel room in New York, and we know it's a hotel room in New York because there's a green screen behind him of the New York skyline. Maybe the worst one in the entire film. Uh, yeah. And he then called, ah, hello, Mr. Mr. Scholastic. Ah, Mr. Ballantine. Ah, Mr. Mr. Random House. Ooh, uh, I'm calling you about Harry Potter. Ooh, uh, Mr. Scholastic has outbid you, Mr. Ballantine. Do you, do you raise me the amount that Mr. Scholastic has, has, has raised <laughs> me? Like, just this complete... It's like a solid, like, two-minute montage of him just, like, on the phone in front of a green screen. Why did he go to America? If he's just going to be on the phone all the time, why not just stay in London? I'm telling you, it's the long-distance charges. They're oh, killer. You got to fly, yeah. fly there and then make your calls from New York. <laughs> from a New York hotel? Yeah. So she's done it. She's got her book published. Uh, it's so exciting. Everyone is, everyone is so thrilled for her. Um, but they need to change her name because boys will not. This is one of the funniest details, I think, is that they put this thing in which I think she has even talked about being like something she sort of resents. Right. Is it like, you know, I had to change my name to get published because, you know, my publisher said that a woman's name wouldn't be popular with with boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it gets it gets resolved in like this this one throwaway like conversation where her 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 agent is like you know uh 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 writing is not a woman's work uh so we're going you need to think of a uh you, you need to think of an initial instead of joan uh and she goes okay and there's this montage of her like sitting on the couch and thinking really hard and like crossing a bunch of things off the list like what is my fucking author name gonna be it is so <laughs> funny and then she like finds a photo of her mom who was named kathleen and it's like ah jowling cowling rowling that's me i think that they had to find something because like at this point in the story it's like she, she she did she did it she published her book so they had to like milk any kind of drama out of it because for some reason this movie goes on for like another 10 minutes of phone <laughs> calls and like no there's nothing else that happens i i don't understand why they spent so much time well, on this well we 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 do get an absolutely insane payoff for the name thing uh which is when she's in a bookstore getting ready to do a reading uh and this like mom walks up to her and is just like oh i just bought this book for my son he loves it i hope he writes a sequel soon uh and jk rowling like smirks and is like oh, I think he will. And then she walks out to do the reading and everyone realizes that she's the author and the woman who like walked up to her like makes this very shocked Pikachu face at her. <laughs> it's like, okay, did you did you really set this up in the movie just so you could have this scene of, of her like surprising people being a woman? It's very weird. <sighs> I, I was asleep at this point in, in the movie. Well, well, good, good, good news. Her flashback is over. She's gotten out of the car, uh, and uh, and she she's being interviewed for the movie, and she says, you know, the reporter is like, "Wow, you're so so great! Like, what's it like to have a movie based on your book?" And she's like, "Oh, it's so good." And then the reporter says, 
what would you see if you looked into the mirror of Erised? And she crazy like crazy question doesn't answer uh, this mm. question. Then uh, we don't see anything else in the premiere. We see uh, we see her come home with her her husband back to their very fancy house, uh, and and she goes into her daughter's room. She was like. She's like, wait, wakes up her daughter to be like, hey, wake up, stupid. I'm back from the premiere that we didn't take you to for some reason. Like, uh, and uh, uh, her her daughter that she just woke up was like, OK, cool. Can you read me a story so I can go back the fuck to sleep? Uh, and and JK's like, of course, darling. And she walks over to the, the bedside table and there's a mirror there and she sees her mom in the mirror this is this is so crazy to me because she looks in the mirror and it's like this extended shot and in the mirror is like her daughter who's like in her her, her bed and she and jk rowling is about to about to read to her yeah and i'm not sure does a voiceover play where it's like the reporter is like what would you see in the mirror of Eris said um, I think but it, it does. But it, it, it like lingers it, on it for a really long time, so it's like that's obvious what they're going for. And in that moment, I was one hundred thousand percent sure that the idea was is that she was seeing her life. Yeah, and that like, it, she, like seeing, she was. She yeah. did. She did it right. Like she was like I. You know I. I I live in a fancy mansion. My daughter is provided for. I have a like I'm back from a movie premiere. Like I did it. What I'm seeing in this mirror right now is what I would see in the mirror of Erised. Yeah. But then it was a lifetime movie, so no, it was the it was the ghost. It was the ghost <laughs> of her ghost dead mom. Of her mom. It's her mom appears. It's so scary too. You're right. It's like a ghost. It's like pale and like kind of translucent and like very not. Um, it looks like something from a budget horror movie. Like I'm actually on the frame right now. It looks a little scary. And then it like zooms out of this beautiful mansion she's living in. And it closes on these inspiring words. Mm. In three years, JK Rowling went from being a welfare mother to one of the richest women in Great Britain. If I was a welfare mother, I, I would simply become one of the richest women in Great Britain. <laughs> Fuck what a what a horror show this movie was i'm so glad we watched it um i i was so thrilled to find out it existed it's called magic beyond words the jk rowling story if, if i would not someone... recommend it no <laughs> i would absolutely not recommend uh magic beyond words the jk rowling story but i'm very glad that we watched it uh and i'm excited there's got to be more right like this is this is a this is like opening up like a like a like a treasure chest and realizing there's so much more out there like like there's there's gotta be more of these right like like from different you know different time periods maybe like like or maybe there's one that's like even more unauthorized where it's like uh joanne crowling (laughs) jeweling and her journey to write harriet potrid or something right like there's got to be some yeah charlie but yes there's got to be some other ones like this i'm so excited to like see fictionalized versions of this story yeah it reminds me just how much uh, like the the mythos of jk rowling and and her writing harry potter has been and like that's not entirely her fault 
really? Mm-hmm. I mean, some no. of, she definitely uh, either buys in or feeds the narrative, right? But like mm-hmm. this, this like movie in particular, like she she said, you know, no, I've never seen it. When I when I think about it, I I think she said I twist into a pretzel or so, like yeah. I, or, or something like that. Like she's like I, you know, no, I I you know didn't authorize it. Had nothing to do with it um don't want to yeah, see certainly it. don't blame her yeah so not uh, her fault um but there is definitely uh th- like a mythos of jk rowling and like creativity and inspiration like that that she did this like amazing thing instead mm-hmm. of like yeah she wrote she wrote some pretty good books and got like really really lucky <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, it's, it is, for as, like, ostensibly liberal as, like, the Harry Potter fandom and, like, legacy is, this particular thing uh, is such a bootstraps narrative, right? Uh, and not not only, like, a bootstraps narrative, but, but um, like, a uh, one that, like, values the the like divine inspiration process right like this is a very like upstairs downstairs like there are just some people who are so creative and you know that 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 the rest of the world must support them so they can they can flourish and make their art right not like everyone deserves this right it's it's like there are certain people who deserve this and it's a very gross uh narrative i think yeah there's a there's kind of an extreme investment in justifying her level of mega success yes and and that was like kind of the the biggest thing through this this movie in particular which again this is not her narrative but but the idea that we have to look at these people who are you know the the richest woman in great britain and here's why they deserve that right right yes and all and also like why not everyone does mm-hmm. um by by deliberately like it, the the scenes of her like being on welfare they they are the thread is always like other other people deserve that but she has fallen into it and is destined for greater things yeah and and there's also just like this uncomfortable narrative too of the idea that like adversity needs to exist so art can be like blossom from it right Mm -hmm. uh that 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 in a way jk rowling needed to be a single mother struggling on welfare with an abusive ex-husband uh and you know with who didn't get into the college she wanted right like it's 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 a it's a weird thing where it's like i'm you know i'm not saying that that uh you know uh life experience doesn't inform stories you know inspire stuff but this lays it out in such a like a like almost like a backwards way where it's like like these are things that make the story possible and not like things that this author is is writing about right like it's 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 like like you must go through this gauntlet to make truly great art and become the richest woman in great britain right like mm-hmm. it is it is it is a little uncomfortable i think from that from that perspective yeah also um i i don't really like 
believe in this myth of like a creative person versus a non-creative person. Like oh, it just, it, it, just no. like, it just keeps ha- like all, like the Harry Potter story is so funny. And and it, again, this is this is the movie. But I just I was just losing it when she had like the vision of Harry Potter. And it also reminded me a little bit of uh, when we did all of that that research watching. Um, uh, like I'm air quotes documentaries about um about why Harry Potter is is satanic or whatever mm-hmm. and and there and there was that one pastor that was like she was possessed by the devil into right. seeing Harry Potter like yes, right like yeah. she she had a vision the devil mm-hmm. had has 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 implanted the story in her to spread to the <laughs> to the people um and this is like the good version of that like right, the light yes. side, it's like it, it's like no it's not the devil but it just it still really represents the like creative process as being this like foreign like implanting of an idea right and then it's, a, and then a it's guiding just like, hand yeah right, and then it's just like a bummer like oh darn like i would love to be a writer but i'm just not like nobody is is i'm yeah. not having any visions on the train yeah, I, yeah, it 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 never gets into. I mean, like I, I I like I know that this is like a corny sounding platitude or whatever, but it's like, how many other J.K. Rowling's are out there on welfare, in abusive living situations who will not get this chance, right? right. Because those systems are failing them. Uh, you know this this is a this is this is bleak, right? Like it's like one one person rising above all these shitty systems does not mean that the system's working right in fact i would say that, that is proof that it is insanely not working <laughs> right <laughs> right like if it's if it's this incredible uh uh, uh once in a lifetime miracle story that someone was able to succeed on government assistance shouldn't that tell us something right like maybe, absolutely not maybe nope. we should improve <laughs> this the, a better world is not possible uh, we we just have to hope that once every ten years the stars align and one person gets to succeed. Uh, so it's very very grim from that perspective. I think it is. It is very grim. But but one day um, maybe we'll live in our you know uh, neighboring podcast mansions with our um, <laughs> billion dollar replica Hogwarts treehouse. <laughs> And we'll be able to watch this movie with our friend J.K. Rowling and just laugh. Just laugh. <laughs> like, what a crazy movie it is. A little scary when the guy comes in after he's been hit with the, the drunk guy spray bottle. But otherwise, what a what a funny movie. What a horrifying movie to make about someone's life. I would hate just, this. I feel, oof, I'm, having, yeah. I'm having like my moments of like true sympathy for J.K. Rowling. Where I'm just oh, like, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry they made this movie about you. It's horrible. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's 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 in a funny way like this is what is this like our third fourth moment of like feeling true sympathy for the richest woman in Great Britain which is one there was that good documentary where the guy actually asked some tough questions and like got some interesting stuff about her about like how much her mom meant to her and stuff. I was like, "Oh, yeah, that was sad." Um there's this uh which, you know, I I, I think is very funny, but I I completely agree with her that I would certainly not want to watch a movie about my life made like this. Uh, and and what's was there another one? Is that it? Are we maybe that maybe that's it? A big a big two up on our counter here. Big two. 
<laughs> the big two times we have we have genuinely felt for JK is hearing her life story from her and uh, hearing her not want to watch someone else tell her life story. So <laughs> there you go. Well, I think it's probably time for us to take a break. We uh, we've covered a, a beautiful movie, and next um, we are going to cover a chapter where someone uh, relays a story, a lifetime movie of their own to uh, to our main characters. Yeah, sounds good. Hi, and welcome back. Uh, this week we read chapter 20 and that is called Hagrid's Tale um, before I get started and kind of chat about that I want to ask you did you ever watch the PBS show Dragon's Tale I know it was a little no. young it was a little bit no. young for us mm. um, I have a brother that's six years younger than me so when it was like coming out it was about the age for him and so I saw a lot of it um, but it had had a theme song that was like dragon's tail dragon's tail it's almost time for dragon's tail so so throughout my entire reading of this chapter i just had that in my head but it was it was hagrid's tail that's um, extremely blessed yeah so for anyone that knows that or has that i just hope that while i go through this maybe you just the hagrid's tail hagrid's <laughs> tail it's almost time for hagrid's tail um i so. i i was a i was a wishbone in between the lions kid I remember Between the Lions. Between the Lions was great. Yeah, that was a that was a good one. No, Dra Dragon's Tale was very cute. Um, I I definitely um liked liked the dragons. I, I was thinking that a lot of the dragons um remind me of Harry Potter characters, but I guess if you don't know that show, we can't really have a discussion about that. <laughs> There, there's like a, there's like a two-headed dragon and they're, oh. they're they're siblings so like obviously it's a pbs show for like very mm -hmm. young kids mm -hmm. and, and so that like common thread of like their stories is like about like siblings getting along or like having conflicts or whatever but they're but they're kind of pranksters so they're a little bit of like the the, the fred and george Ooh, their names are, the YouTubers? are zach and wheezy yeah <laughs> Yeah, the youtuber dragon. Wait, Wheezy Zach and Wheezy? Is it Wheezy That's the rapper? What I'm is it Lil Wayne? I don't think so. Oh, okay. Lil Wayne would be a cool dragon, I think. That would, yeah, that, that makes sense to well. me. Sure. Yeah. Well, I will have to look that up, but I think <laughs> let's maybe let's get into our, our our reading before we get too excited about children's puppet shows, because because otherwise I'm just going to start talking about Fraggle Rock. And, sure, and... that's that's fair. Um, this is chapter twenty. Hagrid's tale. Um, Harry, I guess last week we saw Hermione looked out the window and said, Harry and Ron, look, it's Hagrid. So we're kind of jumping right back in. Harry and Ron are quickly getting ready to go to go run and see Hagrid. It's nighttime. Um, but Hermione takes an extra long time to get ready because she puts on her sensible cold weather clothes to, to go to go into the snow. Um, but they get on, they put the invisibility cloak on and they they go go to see Hagrid um he answers the door and he's all he's all messed up his um his eyes swollen and bleeding and he has like a, a big giant stake and it turns out to be a dragon stake that he's holding against the wounds on his face 
Um, Harry tries to to get Hagrid to tell what happened. Hagrid's like, nope, it was top secret mission. Um, but Harry kind of like bribes him by being like, well, then I won't tell you uh, about how I got expelled this summer. <laughs> so that works. Um, but but also also I guess uh, to be fair, um, they they say like we know you were the giants, and he's like, oh how do you know that? And they say that it was obvious. So he's like, finally like, okay, fine. I'll tell you. Um, so here is Hagrid's tale. Um, he and Madame Maxime, it's almost time for Hagrid's tale. Um, he and Madame Maxime were, were being trailed by the ministry kind of on their way to their top secret mission. Um, and he's also very vague. He's like, the giants live in the mountains, but I'm not going to tell you where, um, they take like a circuitous route, um, through France. That's kind of their, their cover story is that Hagrid is like, I went and vacationed in France with Madame Maxime. Um, uh, but they kind of diverted and, and tried to lose the tail of the ministry and and um, and made it to the mountains after um, going through, oh, I think it was Poland, maybe. He mentioned like meeting a vampire and a troll. I'd like to hear more about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they uh, oh, they also have a stop in Minsk. Um they they do arrive and they they come upon this uh, tribe of giants that all live in a valley. Um, in the mountains, uh, but it's kind of a small space uh, for them. There, there aren't very many giants left, um, but, but Hagrid and Madame Maxime identified the leader of, of the tribe and basically like they, they spent some time watching, but they've been given instructions on to, from Dumbledore about how to, how to make nice with the giants basically, which involves um, giving uh, gifts of their like magical gifts to the giants and you have to like give them like one a night like over the course of three nights to try to show that you like make good on your promises and you aren't going to like overcomplicate things too fast things are going really well um i think it's on the second night that that hagrid kind of just like starts like testing the water with with like what dumbledore wants and, and to kind of pass the message along um but unfortunately, after the second night, a fight breaks out among amongst the giants, and like a rival, a rival leader, um, kills kills the the main giant whose name was Carcass, I believe. Um, this new giant is very mean, and he's kind of kind of the the new evil, worse. Um, worse guy that's going to be a little bit less sympathetic to their cause. Um, Hagrid and Madame Maxime watch, um, and that giant has been meeting meeting with some Death Eaters, um, and the one named Death Eater that that he has been meeting with is McNair. Um, but they are not ready to give up on their mission, so they do do approach the new giant leader. They've got the third gift. Um, I, I believe the first one was like everlasting fire. The second one was like a goblin helmet, and the third. It's like a fur or something. Um, they they bring the gift to to the new giant leader, um, but he's having none of it. Right, he's pretty much sided with the Death Eaters. He he attacks Hagrid, um, but Madame Maxime does some uh, cool cool spell work and and saves Hagrid. He uses, she uses a conjunctivitis curse um, and gets away, but that kind of ruins their ruins their diplomatic mission with that giant because giants, if they hate anything, it's uh, magic being used against them by wizards. Fair enough. Um, they're still not ready to give up. 
Um, there were some giants that were aligned with the first leader that had been kind of scattered into the, the surrounding caves. And so they try to meet up with them. Uh, Hagrid kind of explains that he wasn't as much worried about the giants as he was the Death Eaters that were um, probably were aware of them because of the, the new giant leader had, had probably told McNair that they were in the area. Um, Hagrid does meet up with some, some sympathetic giants who, who have been driven into hiding um, from the change in leadership. Um, and they are, you know, sympathetic to their cause. They're at least listening. Hagrid is hoping that they've kind of sown the seeds that some of the giants would come over to Dumbledore's side. Um, but alas, uh, some of the mean the mean giants raided the caves and either killed or ran off um, most of most of the sympathetic giants. And Hagrid is um, feeling pretty down about the mission. He says, you know, even even the ones um, that weren't killed, you know, they're probably probably too scared to join us after after all the violence. Um, but he does say, you know, maybe the, the best we can hope for is that we have at least said what we had to say. And, and hopefully some of them will remember that. Uh, so that's his story. Um, Hermione asks if he found anything out about his mom. Um, Hagrid says, yeah, I found out she was killed. Um, I'm not too upset about it. She wasn't a great mom. Uh, then there's a knock at the door and it's Umbridge. Um, Harry, Ron, and Hermione hide under the invisibility cloak in the corner. Um, Umbridge shows up um, and and basically starts questioning Hagrid. You know, he's, she says like, where have you been? We've had to cover your classes for, you know, like two months into the term, however far into the term they are. Um, he's a little bit uh, shaky with this cover story, but is mostly like, you know, uh, I was, I was away in, uh, in France for, for vacation. Um, Umbridge at, at one point says, Oh, in vacation in the mountains, indicating basically that she knows what he, where he was. Um, she does look around for Harry, Ron, and Hermione because she saw some footsteps in the snow leading up to the up to the hut um, and not leaving. Um, but but she doesn't find them. Uh, she does eventually leave after kind of explaining who she is and and her new role at the school. Um, and it's at that point where Hermione kind of leads a discussion with Hagrid, where she tries to take that opportunity to tell him that he should revise his lesson plans and not do anything too dangerous or too exciting. Just keep his head down. Can you give us something to do that's just going to be on the exams uh, and isn't going to be hazardous because we really like Umbridge will fire you. Um, but they don't really, they can't really tell if they've gotten through to Hagrid because Hagrid kind of brushes them aside. He's like, no, no, it, it's fine. Like I've had this all figured out. It's going to be really good. Don't even worry about it. Um, and as they're leaving, uh, Hermione's like, no, Hagrid can't get fired. I won't let it happen. That was the end of the chapter. Well, she says something even more specific than that, which uh, is she can fire Trelawney, but she can't fire Hagrid, which Ryan, rude. 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 Also, love- Why? Yeah, we, I don't. Yeah, what the I, fuck? I'm not, this weird, this weird lo- loyalty to Hagrid right here at the end is is a little bit bizarre to me from Hermione. But uh, we have a lot to get to before we can chat about that. Yeah. So overall, this is one of the weirdest chapters we've had in this book so far because this might be one of the weirdest chapters in Harry Potter so far. Y- yeah, it is. It is. It's an odd one because like I don't hate it. Like I, I'm not I'm not down on it really, but it is frustrating in some ways because it is um 
maybe the most succinct example I can point to of the two different styles of Harry Potter story colliding, right? We have the whimsical children's book character telling us a very complex story about like espionage and politics. Uh, and it's also the thing that really leaps out to me as like kind of frustrating is that like, this is the same problem the pensive chapters had where I would so much rather be with these characters during the story, but they, mm -hmm. will, you know, the, these books never do that because it is so completely locked into being from Harry's POV at all times. Yeah. I, I honestly, like, I totally agree. That's something that I didn't pick up on when I was reading it only because this, this whole chapter felt much more like a kind of yieldy fantasy story totally like, like just this i this idea that like like i f i felt like i was reading a totally different book and mm -hmm. so for some reason this this conceit of like our our protagonist um frodo baggins listening to the story <laughs> about something that is happening in the world just like yes i i just like it read really easily to me because it was so reminiscent of that, but also mm -hmm. so unlike everything else in Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's certainly better. It's like, it's a better narrative device to have a character tell a story from their perspective than it is f to go in the pensive and just get like the objective truth. Right. Like right. I, it's, it's certainly better, but it is still just like, I, I feel like there's such a s strain here where I'm like, this, this is such a cool story that i would almost have loved to have read like like you know a version a version of order of the phoenix where we were getting alternate like harry and like hagrid pov chapters or something you know what i mean because it's like everything he's saying in this story is fascinating you know we're, we're, this is like kind of our first serious uh uh story involving like what the other cultures around the magic you know the wizarding world are like um it, you know it, it it's a it's a story that has some like immediate stakes like hagrid has a goal uh that he's trying like you know it's a much more driven story than harry has at the moment honestly right like like you know hagrid has a motivation he has a goal he has a a, a love interest there with him. Uh, <laughs> like there's like a whole fantasy novel happening crammed into this one chapter. There are so many um, fun details, and I and I guess like this is something like I, I guess I just like like fantasy stories, and it was so so much like that that every mm -hmm. little thing that was packed into the story felt like satisfying and fun. I loved the stuff about the the giants like translating for each other. Mm -hmm. Um I loved the idea that Dumbledore had given these instructions of like how to approach this other culture in a certain way. The detail about like you have to not bring up what you're there for on the first day because they'll get mad if you mm -hmm. overcomplicate things like like all of those like weird that weird stuff and then also the other layer like this would also work from like a Hagrid's POV chapter um and I would love to see more of this but something that I really enjoyed was Hagrid um having this like repeated refrain of not being worried or threatened by the giants, right? Yeah. He has like so much compassion for them and like, and 
and is not worried about them. And it keeps coming back because Ron keeps cutting in and be like, they didn't fucking murder you. And Hermione's like, did they beat you up? And he's like, no, like routinely, like, I'm not worried about the giants. I was more worried about these death eaters that were here. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Like, like this is like the, like more positive manifestation of Hagrid's fascination with like dangerous animals. Right. Is that like, like here he is being thrust into a dangerous situation, but with like actual people, uh Mm -hmm. that he can communicate with and like him his like political convictions and 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 stuff are like overriding any like reasonable fear he might have and like that's really cool like that's that's growth for hagrid right or not even growth really it's like we're seeing hagrid in a better environment for him this Uh, is a great payoff for his character yeah like like you know we've been joking about like like hagrid being on a secret spy mission (laughs) And it turns out that actually, like, the way that's manifested in the story is really good for him. Like, Hagrid is this, like, determined diplomat is a really novel and fun idea. Yeah, I I would have loved to. I mean, I guess that's it's like a framing issue, right? Because the world where that works is much more about him going on a mission that is frightening to most people, but that he is comfortable with, but it's a diplomatic mission that requires compassion because he still flubs all of the like secret part of it. Right. Like he he's, he's routinely failing at all of that. He has a terrible cover story with Umbridge and is like not comfortable with it, but the actual like mission itself, he was the perfect person for. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and 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 I like that he's getting f- like snippy with like Ron and Hermione and Harry for like questioning him on this. Like he is so stubbornly like like nope. Like I I, I don't care. Like you're focusing on the wrong thing. I was there to do something and I and I wanted to do it. Like I I I, I really appreciated that from him. Like that was really really fun to read. Um, you mentioned Hermione saying like did the ha- did the giants beat you up, Hagrid? <laughs> She said quietly, maybe my favorite dumb line in this chapter and maybe book so far, just because it, it like the, the way Hermione says it here is so like cooing and like bait, but like really weirdly condescending. Like, oh, did the did the Hagrids kick your did the did the giants kick your ass, Hagrid? <laughs> did you get did you get your ass knocked knocked around a little bit? Did you get slapped? Did you get slapped upside the head, Hagrid? Huh? Like <laughs> It, it is really interesting because it's like they do treat him like a child and this is the first case of him not really deserving that treatment yeah yeah he's he's he was doing a job and he was doing it well uh yeah i i i think that's really cool and i think there's some other details like i wish we had uh, gotten to know what he was arguing with the vampire about that sounds great me uh, too I want to know what the hell's going on there. And like, I, I want some more. I wish we could have been there with him as a character for the like diplomatic discussions. Cause it sounds so cool. And like, like when, you know, him, him showing no fear to these like 25 foot tall, like giant guys who are, you know, uh, like uh, known for killing each other and, and, and killing wizards. Right. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I love, I, there's like i feel the tension secondhand but i so wish that we got to be there with him for this story i guess 
Right. Um, and this is just like, this is honestly just such a, a perfect, really deft setup. It almost like reminds me of like a, like a next generation episode that Hagrid mm-hmm. is so stuck between these two worlds, right? He's not allowed to do magic, but he can't live with the giants. And, yeah. and I love, and I love that setup. And I would, I would have liked to see more of, of what that was like for him. It's really like, I would even take a, a, a pensive scene. Um, Oh, just him so just, just so we yeah. could see see the stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's like the one time maybe a pensive thing would would actually pay off is just like having Hagrid. It also means that we wouldn't have to read so much of this like in the weird phonetic Hagrid speech, which we get a <laughs> lot of here. Uh, which a is lot, a lot, a lot to deal with. Um, I'm going to do something here that I, I've never done before, but I think it's very important for us to call out when we see sure. it. Sure. I need to big time Hermione here. Oh, so Hermione call out. Yeah. The uh, dragon steak would not have blood in it. That's myoglobin. Mm. Yeah. Steaks are not bloody. There's no right. blood in a steak. That is that is myoglobin. It is a protein. Right. Uh, and it is it is different from hemoglobin, which is what you would find in blood. So hey. Hermione might want to hit those books. I will say though, she is right. It is very unsanitary. I, it's I very was, unsanitary. I mean, it is very, very grotesque to me to imagine someone holding a an uncooked steak against open wounds it's like it is, oozing okay. there's there's a part of the description that it's like it's it's like oxidized it's like a little bit green it's like ugh, ugh. okay so i i had a question about that because i'm is is the implication that like the the dragon blood which it would not be but whatever um is uh has healing properties or is no this a clue <laughs> is this a weird misunderstanding on jk's part of like why people used to put stakes over injuries which is that like it was before cold packs were invented right like you would take a frozen steak a cold steak out of the freezer and hold it over you know i i assume that's why i I, right because it's not cold he pulled he it's on the table he doesn't haggard doesn't have a fridge as far as i know uh or a freezer so, maybe he had maybe he has a an ice box out in the snow because it's snowing right now. <laughs> he's got he's got a he's got a larder down right. below that we've never been to. Perhaps. Um, but I I, I guess though I thought the implication was that like maybe it's the it's like the dragon blood that's supposed to heal you. But I I I was having a like I said big time in Hermione, big time in J.K. Rowling here. Uh, people people didn't put meat on their face because they liked having meat on their face and thought it healed them. It was because it was cold. It I was just assumed thing. it was a cold steak, and I also assume I I kind of was like my like I guess you like it's still like a turn of phrase to be like that's a bloody steak, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I just I I was curious. Here's I, the I'm, thing: like, Hermione would know if dragon blood had healing properties. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She would. She would be telling like ha- Harry and Ron be like, "You gross." And Hermione would be like, "That. That's going to heal his face." Right. Like. Like that would. Uh, you know, if she knew that, that would be. I. I have to say this. This. Um. This is a complete nonsense tangent. But we did go down this rabbit hole of dragon property stuff we sure because did. of this chapter. 
and kind of learn like we we were no better off for it so dragons what's mm. what are they what's the deal with dragons in, in harry potter what's what's their what's their raison d'etre like i they... i always assumed that we know that dragon like hearts have like magical properties and are used in potions and stuff right dragon right. blood and heart strings go in the wands the scales are used in potions and stuff right like yeah the so i assumed stuff. that it was like kind of a rare thing mm -hmm. you know and i'm kind of not not like an industrial farming thing right? right right i guess there aren't very many wizards so you wouldn't need a huge operation to that's true to, but yeah, I was I was a little bit surprised uh, about something like a dragon steak being used as like a cold pack, right? right. That, se that seems like a very like a, a a common use that you wouldn't use like a like for a rare a rare magical thing for right like yeah I I it's 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 further complicated by the fact that like Charlie works with dragons but appears to work at a sanctuary so is, is there like some dragon conservationist politics stuff going on like is, is Hagrid is Hagrid being problematic here is he is he you know is he uh, uh supporting poaching here he would be though he's such like a like a kind of salt of the earth kind of person i'm not saying that that means like he would support poaching necessarily but very like you know like i right, gotta gotta use you know, yeah what what nature gives you like i could i could yeah. see him being kind of that that bent i am having um like more of an issue with like the way that the world building flows and i think it like obviously we've talked about this one million million times um but it really like i think the part and this works for giants as well as dragons but the part where um harry or Hermione, like somebody asked like why don't muggles know about giants and hagrid says well the the muggles that encounter giants um, they're said to be killed in in mountaineering accidents or whatever. Yeah, and which is cute. That, that makes sense. to me is a joke. Yeah, right. Like that. Mm -hmm. That is something that is reminiscent to me of a philosopher's stone joke that really, really works there. Um, and it it feels like sometimes that the lore is built being built on <laughs> jokes. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's a very flimsy foundation to tell a serious uh, political drama with, for sure. There's a lot of stuff like that. I mean, there's the... the um, as far as we know, like, the the reason wizards hide from muggles is because if we, uh, muggles knew about wizards, they would be begging wizards to solve all their problems for them all the time, which is, like, again, funny joke right like in a in in the philosopher's stone like that's a that's a fine way to hand wave everything away like oh we don't want to deal with it like like literally basically literally jake is saying like i don't want to think about this too hard right it's it is what it is totally fine now we all of a sudden have movies where that is like the core political struggle uh and it is trying it's kind of you know squeezing blood out of a stone trying to like turn a joke into serious lore you know like it's it, it's 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 a it's it's difficult to do 
Right. Like, I, I guess I don't know how many giants exist, right? Like, I don't know if this is like the only tribe and there's like 20 of them. And and in that case, like, it, it would be reasonable that muggles wouldn't know about them. But it just feels like there would need to have to like have to be a concerted effort to keep them hidden from muggles mm-hmm. in any way that would make this make sense. So I have a hard time when it's like hand waved away like this. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it it, it is it is especially in this chapter where we get such a good down to earth. Well, down to earth is maybe the wrong word, but like a a strong like like political drama story with the giants right mm-hmm. like like we we get one we get an example of this being done well in this chapter and it's also alongside this other stuff that's like not gotten the same care and attention it's not a big deal but it's just like it's just such a like like oh this is these books are are spinning a lot of plates and not catching all of them right i i would have liked to see something more along the lines of you know, you know the ministry of magic and 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 wizard governments have a investment in keeping themselves hidden from muggles mm-hmm. and giants know about wizards so like the wizard government would have to make an effort to keep giants hidden from right hidden from muggles to protect their own interests Mm -hmm. um and the giants are not invested in their interests like i think that that would that would be like a satisfying way of dealing with this so it's just i mean it's just it's a dumb joke um yeah yeah but, but i feel like dragons are kind of the same thing right it's like okay um I understand why muggles don't see dragons in Philosopher's Stone, but I don't really get it here. <laughs> Especially if there's enough of them around where you, like people are raising like they're them. They're being to slaughtered for butchered. steaks. Right. Yeah. They're being they're being butchered uh uh to, to sell meat. Um yeah, I want to go to a like a dragon farm. I wanna see Charlie uh 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 do some like like wizard wizard uh uh like fight some wizard poachers or something right like there's so many cool things you can do with that that the story never really gets into and i, I guess this is more me just like saying like oh i wish the story was something else but like it's important i think for the the verisimilitude uh of of the story sometimes to like address this stuff and at least do something fun with it which it granted it, it's doing with the giants here but uh maybe the dragons haven't really gotten the same amount of attention, even though they're like also these gigantic, impossible to hide creatures, you know? Here's my other problem. Mm. Why do we care about the giants at all? <laughs> what do they do? Like we, like we, I guess, yeah. I guess we've got mm-hmm. like 20 or so individuals and, and boy, are they 20 feet tall, but I don't know what that matters in a, wizard <laughs> well so in the deathly hallows and i'm assuming this is in the book as well as the, as well as the movie we finally get to see why giants are so dangerous and it turns out that they are used basically as living siege engines to pick rocks up and throw them at hogwarts um this is the dumbest shit in the world uh and it is also look i know that like <laughs> okay I know that it's cool. The idea of a big giant <laughs> throwing a rock as like a substitute for like a trebuchet or whatever. That is cool. But also it's very funny. 
considering that like couldn't a wizard just be like well if you really wanted to like siege hogwarts in some crazy way could you a not just build a trebuchet surely building a trebuchet is probably a lot easier than like risking your life to go negotiate with giants who probably aren't all that invested in following orders anyway is there like a weight limit for wingardium leviosa (laughs) right also um my other question is could could a wizard not just be like like asio icbm or something asio rocket launcher asio quake rocket launcher <laughs> or whatever like has, like has no one has no one invented the throw a big rock spell <laughs> yeah is there yeah okay so so maybe maybe snape was was waylaid in his plans to like complete uh all the medieval warfare spells like he had sword spell yeah, he got that one down, but like maybe he never got to like longbow spell or trebuchet mm. spell. You know, he was too busy. He he didn't manage to invent uh, uh, phalanx formations with shield spell. Uh, he he never he never got that far. So That's now we are so lost. Sad. Yeah, we could we could have had epic medieval battles, but instead uh, everyone goes to the giants and is like, "Can you throw some rocks for us?" Can you smash a bridge for us? It's so funny. In the movie, they're treated like they're treated like the nukes, right? Like the oh, this is the this is the Death Eaters fucking wild card. Is they have like three really big, burly, naked guys who can stomp around and like like smash walls. Wizards can teleport and shoot death spells. <laughs> what? What? I- <laughs> It's it's really remarkable. I'm just like imagining like Voldemort's war room. Like he's sitting in that scary room at the Malfoy Mansion. And he's like, okay, I'm gonna wage a war on the Wizarding World and all of the Muggles. Um, so far, I've got about twenty guys. Uh, <laughs> and next, I'm gonna get twenty big guys. <laughs> it's it's so boring. It's it's it is so funny that like. Like I, I I hate to be like the oh magic system like like person, but the if you, when you think about something like I don't know Last Airbender where they got really creative with like what the combat looked like, right? Like uh-huh. like they were using their their crazy magic powers to like do these really elaborate, unique, uh, and like visually interesting uh, um, action scenes. It was very cool harry potter you would imagine that like the nature of of warfare would be very different in a world where everyone has an instant kill spell Mm. uh and can teleport and and like pick things up with their mind right like you you, like there's honestly like you, you think about like these crazy like matrix battles you could have like that right like like even just from like a filmmaking perspective for deathly hallows you could do something neat for that but instead the wands are guns and they need to have a lord of the rings battle where a bunch of guys run through a field to hit the wall of hogwarts and then some giants throw some shit like just just zero creativity just really fucking boring stuff i i just have a really hard time imagining that that's like what warfare would would ever look like in this scenario like why would it ever be 
giants throwing rocks at a school. <laughs> what what's ha- right. what is happening here? Right. It's insane. And like would would you even have open warfare if you can teleport and, and like instantly kill guys? It seems like the biggest nightmare would be that like everyone like walking around as a as like a contested politician in the wizarding world would be like walking through a high level area in vanilla wow right and like rogues would just be popping up everywhere and, and killing you instantly it just seems like it seems like that would be the world they'd live in not one where like oh we better not let the death eaters get access to these three huge naked guys they might throw boulders <laughs> at us very slowly uh i obviously this isn't like really fair to talking about order of the phoenix but i do want to talk about um that big that big shield spell that they made in fantastic beasts that they that that movie took place in the 20s so we Mm. know that they have that technology does that not work against the giants throwing the big rocks oh no that's exactly what they do you've not seen the last movie have you no no i have not no so uh, let me tell you what happens in the last harry potter movie Mm mm-hmm uh, the Death Eaters bring their shitty Lord of the Rings army. Sure. Of of <laughs> of like forty guys who are who just kind of look like random guys they pulled out of a out of a pub. Snatchers. There's, yeah, they're the snatchers. Then there's like the ten elite guys who are like the Death Eaters with the cool masks. Uh, then there are are like several big giants. They start shooting spells and throwing rocks at Hogwarts. Uh, but it turns out Hogwarts has a big Halo 3 bubble shield around it. <laughs> uh, and so, like, I would say a solid 40 minutes of the movie is is th- that being bombarded while every now and then, like, like McGonagall will say to another teacher, like, oh, the, sh- the shield is, is at 20%. We can't. We oh I better do this cool spell and and make the the shitty CGI knights come to life, like like a lot of the movie is invested in keeping the shield up. Oh, that's so what I want out of a hair of a fun wizard school school it fantasy. Is, that's really so really cool. Fucking stupid. It is very fucking stupid. I think I think a giant like knocks a bridge out at one point. And they're like oh we, fuck we can't use that bridge anymore. Too. Mm, good thing and, all of us can uh, teleport i guess i guess wizards. i guess snape was uh elsewhere because he knows sword spell so it seems like he could maybe <laughs> cut cut one of their heads off or something <laughs> it is it is so bad i mean like like this was this was still like 2011 was pretty late for this honestly but this was like maybe the last gasp for like filmmakers who were wowed by the battle of helm's deep and were like i want to do one of those right it's just that Helm's Deep works because one, there's characters that you give a shit about who exist in a world where like that level of warfare is what they deal with, you know, what they have, you know, whereas this is just like, well, Hogwarts is a castle, so I guess it's going to be a Lord of the Rings battle for some reason. I, I, yeah, we got all these giants. Now what? <laughs> yeah, what do we what do we do? We, that's, what, we that's probably how not. that went down is like Voldemort is sitting at the table in Malfoy Manor he's like we got these giants now what do we do with them 
It's like Lucius Malfoy raises his hand. He's like, uh, have them throw rocks, I guess. <laughs> they can throw stuff. Uh, one of them could maybe have like a big two-handed axe that he can swing very slowly. And our protagonists, <laughs> our protagonists can jump out of the way at the last minute. So there's like a there's a, this cool part where you think that they got crushed, but then they lift up the axe and they're gone. And then and then turns out they're fine. That's mm. pretty exciting, my lord. Yeah, I I really I really am enjoying this Voldemort war room. We're gonna have to use these scenes in our in our CW adaptation. <laughs> oh God! So yeah, so I I I like this chapter. I like the politics stuff with the giants. I wish that it was something that we were told firsthand and not like in a in a story being relayed to our main characters. Like, can we before we move on from this? Can we talk about how dumb? dumbledore is here why did he not give hagrid a good cover story where is he he, i know that he can't i know that he can't talk to harry and obviously harry's the pov character so he's like never going to see him i would have really enjoyed this book is if like the whole time harry had like been talking to people and be like oh dumbledore you just missed him yeah (laughs) oh he's he's just out of frame but like what where is he Uh, yeah that's the thing is like you're sending Hagrid on a secret mission he's perfect for it um you are spy master Dumbledore the smartest smartest best man in the world and you don't give you give Hagrid a good cover story like that the thing that really killed me about it is that like Umbridge is like yeah I asked the other teachers and they just say we have no idea where he is Was, was was it that hard to be like hey McGonagall uh tell people hagrid's on vacation in france yeah what (laughs) why did they have to make it extra suspicious like 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 there's every every possible thing that dumbledore could have done to like make this easier on hagrid he just failed to do completely no cover story he didn't like rally the other teachers around say like look if anyone asks hagrid's hagrid's on vacation in in the south of france like no, he just just like left Hagrid to like come up with this story on his own, I guess. Like, come on, man, Dumbledore. Dumbledore's got a whole war room. You got you can't you you got to get your shit together. Um, <laughs> uh, it's also maybe what is this the fourth time that uh, a character has come into Hagrid's hut and uh, Harry has had to throw the cloak over them to to avoid them, and so we can hear a conversation. Oh, e- yeah, easily. <laughs> I mean, I don't hate it, but it is just like a funny image. It's like, oh, once a year we have to do this. is This is a, a school year tradition. We have to go hide in Hagrid's hut from someone under I would, the invisibility I, cloak. I would love H- Harry to have thought that to himself. Like, I can't believe this is happening again. <laughs> Here we go again. Look <laughs> <sighs> at chapter. I like. I mean, I like the Umbridge scene. I like. I, I like this thing that they do with Hagrid where they're being pretty hypocritical and being like look you need to keep your head down you need to like like not not do anything that could risk pissing umbridge off because because then she'll fire you and it's like 100 percent what mcgonagall has been ter- telling harry this whole book and like yeah and he's the- gone and started an army yeah he's he's gone and started uh, he, he's doing irony and starting an army to, <laughs> to um to piss off fudge so you know that's good 
Uh, but, uh, I, have, I have I have so I just am like I'm so enamored with this idea of like shifting point of views now for this book because I am imagining mm-hmm. just a a one two three three chapters in the in a row Voldemort's war room Dumbledore's war room at the at Grimmauld place and then Harry's war room uh, I at, would love that and, and it's look, just like I, they all suck at it like all all of yeah. them, it's like all of them are like okay we've got twenty guys uh, Voldemort's got a giant snake and some giants uh, we have some teenagers. Uh, Dumbledore has the guy with dog brain. Do we have anyone we can send on a camping trip to find some some shit? <laughs> we should just like find some stuff. Is it, can we? Can we? Can we? Do we have any stuff that we can send them to go find? That'd be great. <sighs> yeah, and then uh, look in case before anyone says anything, I am not just saying I want it to be multiple POVs because I recently re- reread Game of Thrones. This has nothing to do with Game of Thrones. We love a song of Game of Thrones. We love Here. a song of Game of Thrones, but this is not why we're saying this. I uh, it would be real. It would be really cool if, like, the whole p- first part of Philosopher's Stone was told from Harry's POV, and then he just gets killed halfway through. Oh shit! Okay, no, but could you imagine if if Harry Potter? Okay, no, other way around. Can you imagine if Game of Thrones was all from one character's POV, with everyone else telling them <laughs> what happened, <laughs> like? Just like Jon Snow sitting on the wall doing fuck all and like Tyrion's like, okay, so I've been in King's Landing. Ned Stark has been executed. Very sorry about that, by the way. He found out that that Robert Baratheon, his son, is not actually Joffrey. Joffrey is a, is the son of Cersei and Jamie Lannister. Can you believe it? And now Joffrey's the king. Uh, and he's fucking everything up. And, you know, my father, Tywin Lannister, he's trying to rein him in, but, you know, he's he's very difficult. He's a, he's a very nasty little boy. <laughs> I also heard that there's this there's this lady in Essos somewhere who, who has a dragon and is trying to get over, you know, trying to get a boat. But, you know, she can't find a boat. So she'll probably be fucking around in Essos for four or five books trying to get the money to get a boat to come over to Westeros. So we're not worried about her right now. Anyway, how are things on the wall? Um, you know, there are, what, are the two books we're anticipating? So it's not, it's not too late. I know, because like, George R.R. <laughs> R. Martin really tried out something new for Feast of Crows and Dancing with Dragons. <laughs> Uh, and so he's got two more, and so you never know when you could just come up, you just do a little experiment for those last couple books. <laughs> the last two Game of Thrones books are children's books. Wait, oh, that is the last thing he did. He wrote two children's books in the universe, didn't he? So that's mm, okay. <sighs> Song of Game of Thrones, everybody. Good, good books. Um, so yeah, I I I like this chapter. I think it has a lot of it raises a lot of weird questions about the world building that it probably will never ever answer. Um and it and it gives me like this sort of melancholy like wish for a a version of this book that took this stuff a little more seriously because it's weird how good this is, right? Like the the like fantasy politics tribe story that she writes here is really good like i'm i'm into it i'm into the gerg yeah yeah it was really really unexpected but i enjoyed it a lot more than i would have expected because i know that i looked at it uh last week and i was like oh it's an entire hagrid dialogue chapter Uh, (laughs) so i I wasn't Uh really really expecting to enjoy it as much as i did yeah well, I think that probably wraps it up for our reading. Do you have any last items for us, perhaps from a certain website 
that we all love. Yeah, I know we've gone a little long uh, with our our beautiful film and our beautiful reading, but I do have some um, giant centric, um, you know, calls to action from Reddit. Like we, you know, we're out here um, answering questions while while J.K. Rowling is absent from Twitter, um, and. I just, I kind of have to apologize for these to begin with because people <laughs> really have some interesting, interesting thoughts. Um, I have uh, a couple that I just want to start off with. Um, and I, I don't want to discuss it until, until I'm through with both of them, which I know it's going to be oh, difficult, okay. but they're kind of, they're kind of in right. like in the same vein, right? I will restrain, I will restrain myself. Uh, the first one is short and sweet. Hagrid's child? Question mark. What do you guys think Hagrid's child with Madame Maxime would have struggled with in Hogwarts? <coughs> second, okay, second question. Mm -hmm. If Hagrid and Madame Maxime had a child, would it have a Punnett Square chance of being all human or all giant? I realize this is a stupid question. The obvious answer is their kid would also be half giant, but I can't stop thinking of the odds of them having a 25% chance of having a full human or full giant. It would be pretty funny to have to raise a full-blooded giant as a kid. Obviously, Hagrid would be the most proud daddy ever. Poor Madame Maxime, though. Dot, dot, dot. Okay, was that both of them? Yes, yes, that's okay. both of them. I, I just wanted to kind of center it around um, this this fun fun little fan fiction of Hagrid and Madame Maxime having a child. Um, <laughs> my my first uh, question, or I guess like answer, is like what would they struggle with in in Hogwarts? And I can't really say, but I'm struggling with with my my biology 101 with this Punnett square question. <laughs> uh, first of all, I think the thing that they would uh, 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 struggle with in Hogwarts doorways. <laughs> Got him. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Is that how genetics work? I okay. I'm I'm incredibly dumb. I know basically nothing about genealogy or, or genetics or anything. Is that true? Is that how that works? No. No. Okay. I did not think so, but I didn't want to make a dumbass of myself by saying one way or the other because I, I earnestly don't know. I mean, I guess that like the closest thing uh, to like kind of a it's it's not as if there is a gene that's like you are a giant, right? In right. the same way yeah. that the, there's not like a gene that's like you are a human, right? <laughs> Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I wasn't even thinking of it from 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 that perspective. Right. Yes. They are. They are giants. They will probably be. I mean, like like Fleur is what a quarter Vila. She says right, and she still has like Vila powers, doesn't she? We don't know. We don't oh, know. Fuck, we don't because know. That's, a, that's a, a beautiful dream. Yeah. We have. That's a beautiful dream that we we've cooked up. It's like, oh, how does how does how does Fleur's powers work? Fuck. Jk. Give us the powers. Show us the powers. Um, I have another giant biology question. Okay. Would half oh, giants? No. <laughs> would half giants such as Hagrid have a longer lifespan than normal humans? I don't even think giant lifespans are mentioned in the series, though. Hagrid's like seventy something, isn't he? And he's like middle aged in 
life in like in like character isn't he like isn't isn't there a weird thing they live a really long time isn't that yes canon although that's yeah but i i well this person says well hagrid is in his 60s during the books and is doing pretty well so maybe and and the original poster responded maybe that's just a wizard thing they can live abnormally long lives i guess that's also true because dumbledore's like 130 something when he dies he's dumbledore was up there but he's quite powerful all i know is that like like hagrid was a student in like the 50s 60s uh and and in hogwarts mystery he is like the the hagrid we know and that's set in the 80s right so he's he's like doing fine right like sure wait a minute wait a minute hogwarts hogwarts mystery is set in the wait a minute how is snape how is snape the professor in it then Snape would be like, oh, no, my, oh, my, he- mm, my brain, on, I feel it, on, I feel my brain me, leaking, me, Liz, help me, me, my brain is leaking out of my out. ears. Um, I feel like I'm going to have to go on a little rant about um, the Harry Potter wiki, though. Okay, ooh, well, that works for me. Because it has no actual information on it. <sighs> okay, Hogwarts Mystery... So here's the thing. Um, The entry for Hogwarts Mystery um, starts out, Harry Potter Hogwarts Mystery is a video game developed by Jam City. I'm not sure why the entry for Jacob's sibling would not feature (laughs) in either the bio or the opening paragraph, Jacob's sibling, the player (laughs) character in Harry... It's just like, it presents it like you're just a real person. (laughs) I hate fan wikis. <laughs> I love them. They're, They're the too powerful for me. Uh, the story follows the character for their seven years of education at Hogwarts from 1984 to 1991. Severus Snape. Yeah, when did Snape become a professor? Because he's a professor in year one in 1984. Skin color. Sallow. <laughs> Yo, that's not a color. <laughs> thank you fan wikis once again um i have to scroll through his childhood first um as a death eater as a double agent as a teacher please i love angel i see snape become a teacher they were out of school for two like three years when they had Harry. Snape they states been... in Order of the Phoenix that he has been a teacher at Hogwarts for 14 years. Um, Snape makes this comment in around October 1995, meaning that he must have begun teaching in 1981. When Harry was... Okay, that would have been the year Harry was born. Okay, so he he got his teaching job like the year Harry was born. Because Harry turns... His 11th birthday is 1992 or 91 right okay okay mm, okay i'm gonna allow it that's yeah yeah so that's that's a little that means that 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 snape became a teacher at 19 i think he's but, very sure. wise and very smart he's very wise uh and he looks he's looking god-awful in hogwarts mystery if that's the case because if he's if he's like in his early 20s and looks like 50 year old alan rickman i mean look alan he looks rickman, perfect beautiful guy but uh you know he was old when he played snape he was not 20 okay well i'm glad we could clear that up fan wikis are the fucking best uh i will i will always stand them sure absolutely i have some i have something um that you have seen on the horizon 
um a little bit earlier <laughs> and we just and we just yeah. have to get it over with um mm-hmm. there are one million of these posts oh yeah one million they're posted every week on the subreddit yeah i've just picked one short and sweet it just cond- condenses the essence into this this small this small post um this was posted three months ago. Thank you to user OP2306. How did Hagrid dad have sex with a giant? Please respond with answers. <laughs> Please respond with answers. Please. Please. Respond with answers. Yeah. Um, this, this question comes up in one form or another. My favorite thing is like, okay. I'm I am so happy that you were able to find one where they got right to the point, <laughs> because the ones of these that are the worst is is that the most of these posts come from someone who think they are be- being incredibly clever, and they're like, so, uh, Hag Hagrid's dad, uh, you know, you ever think about that, huh? Like like how does that work? You ever, you know, like. Was he using uh, Engorgio or something? Pretty right. Funny, right? Like, yeah. Hey. I mean, that that is um, 90% of the replies is just the word Engorgio. Um, yeah. I don't really want to answer this question. I just want, I, like, I know, please respond with answers. Um, I feel it. Like, may, maybe, maybe you'll be with me on this. Like, this is a question that we, let's not go there, you know? doesn't matter i uh, i think is 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 the real answer here uh and like <sighs> this just makes me sad i see this post every week and it makes me so sad just 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 everyone everyone responding with like in, you know there's a spell in harry potter that can you know make stuff bigger so like you know you ever think about like what if you did that spell on your on on his pee? <laughs> you think the Hagrid's dad made his made his wiener real big? Something to think about. I just came up with this. No one else has ever, you know. I don't know if you've ever read this series as uh, closely as I have, but you know, Hagrid's dad, normal guy. Hagrid's mom, a giant. How does that work? Well. <sighs> You know, there are a lot of extremely know. gross comments on this post that I, I will I not read. I don't know if you know how how sex works, um, you know, but you know, some guys have this thing called a, called a, a pee pee. I have uh, a palate cleanser for us. <laughs> this is not this is not related to giants, but came up in my search. Would Iron Giant work on Hogwarts? <laughs> What? <laughs> what? What technology is strong enough to work on Hogwarts? I remember Hermione stating that electricity doesn't work on Hogwarts. What about things such as Transformers or Iron Man who works via arc reactor? Fuck, that's so cool. What if you could get a Transformer into Hogwarts? What house would Optimus Prime be in? Oh, right. this is a great. Oh, fuck. Or, or Iron Man who works via arc reactor. Oh, Iron Man is in Slytherin. Fuck that guy. I hate him. Um yeah uh, oh i have a good you know, here's a here's an answer to the question uh sure you know it, are there any good slytherins uh megatron and starscream 
they're good Slytherins. Don't I will be taking yeah. no further questions on this, but but that is my answer to that. Finally, that's great. Uh, uh, would Iron Giant work on Hogwarts? Okay, are they asking Iron Man or do they mean Iron Giant, like the cool I, movie about the robot? I'm pretty sure it's the robot. I think that they're listing like, I think that there's like a fundamental misunderstanding of the canon of Harry Potter, which is not that technology doesn't work there because it's not strong enough. So they've picked out the three strongest technologies <laughs> they can think of, which are Iron Giant, Iron Man, um, and and Transformers. Iron Giant is so much cooler than Iron Man. Yeah, Giant is a great. Yeah, what a good movie. Um, I, I, okay. The the question too is, would it work on Hogwarts, not in Hogwarts? Right. Uh, here's my here's my uh, uh, theory here. What if after the Battle of Hogwarts, every you know the giants have been throwing rocks at it all day. Mm-hmm. You know the, the bubble shield fell uh, and it took some whole damage. Uh, would the Iron Giant be able to fly in and be like, I'm going to help you rebuild this thing? And he, and he helps put together the big bridge. Uh, he puts all the statues back where they're supposed to go. That's pretty wholesome. I like this. I like this image. Yeah, that is wholesome. But then at the end, you know, he dies because he can't have technology at Hogwarts. And he like, he's, <laughs> he's very strong, but it can only last for so long. Well, that's that's beautiful. That, that He just believed in it so hard. He's like, I'm, he's being selfless. He's like, I will rebuild this cool wizard school for children because i'm the iron giant it's beautiful that is beautiful what a good guy yeah um don't transformers have some like they are technology because they're like robots but they're also like organic beings transformers of, right? are, like, are aliens have, like, a... from from a planet they are from oh god i know we have some transformers fans listening uh they're from the they're they're holocron cybertron cybertron yes they're from cybertron and they transform into other stuff when they're on cybertron and they choose the the vehicles they transform into when they're on earth because they're they're disguising themselves uh cybertron is like a biomechanical planet uh so yeah but they're they're like mechanical and and mechanical things can work at hogwarts right we know that um yeah and they are given a life force i assume i assume there's some sort of like lore name for like their their soul that they have the matrix the matrix of creation but because it's something yeah so i assume that transformers would work on yeah transformers transformers are alive and have souls i would love to hear hear about that from someone who knows transformers, about transformers. fuck too as right. far as i can tell uh t- transformers fuck and they're also 20 feet tall so like hagrid's dad you know uh. <laughs> if there was a, if there was some you know big robot pussy that he wanted to get oh, into okay. what spell would would he have to do you know well, i did a little research and i found this spell called ingorgio i'm not enjoying so. this character <laughs> just <laughs> the, the the harry potter subreddit sleaze guy you don't like you don't like him <laughs> no um i have a couple more um and they're like kind of sort of related like they came up in my search because they have giant in them um but i just i just really liked them a lot so i do want to read this one um yes, i'm really yes. this one i love for the the righteous anger um this one is called hypocrisy of death eaters <laughs> fuck yeah go off One of the things that I feel so pissed about reading about Death Eaters is their blatant hypocrisy. When it comes to werewolves, they are butthurt about Lupin marrying a (laughs) (laughs) pure 
but have no qualms about having Greyback in their midst. Some of them tried to get Hagrid discredited and fired from Hogwarts on the basis that he is half giant, but when giants join their cause, it's perfectly all right. It's sick how many two-faced maneuvers they employ to gain power. Fuck yes, go off. Incredible. I love it. It's true. (laughs) I love when people... Notice the story. Notice the story? (laughs) Right, yeah. That is, yeah, that is what the Death Eaters do. That is true. The Death Eaters are hypocritical. I I just want you to know that the second comment on this is case in point Hitler. (laughs) Okay, well, I mean, again, like, like, not to like notice, not to like notice the story in real life, but that's like the first thing everyone who learns about World War II goes like, hey, wait a minute, Hitler he thought that the white guys were the best but then he teamed up with the japanese so what's going on there so like again same thing yeah we're all out here noticing stuff we all (laughs) we're all out here noticing i have a final final um question it's not a question um it's an omen for the future oh ooh, mm, okay does anyone else find the chapter grop boring as shit this is the only (laughs) chapter This is the only HP chapter I can't get through in one sitting. It's so goddamn boring. Oh, I earnestly do not remember a single thing about the Grop chapter except the way that Jim Dale says Grop. Yeah. That's like I, all I know. I, I wanted to read this one, especially because there's a comment on this post. Also, I just <laughs> like you to know that this post was made seven months ago. Um, Ooh. Just like recent. Um, yeah, they're getting there. Someone responded with, I love Hagrid and all things related to Hagrid. I know Hagrid's tale is pretty unpo- is a pretty unpopular chapter, which I don't get because I found learning about giants super interesting. Um, and I wanted to read that comment because I've never, like, the idea that that, like, a chapter in Order of the Phoenix could be known as unpopular and it's the one we just read is very interesting to me. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I, I know that Order of the Phoenix in general is like one of the lower ranked books by fans, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't know that Hagrid's tail and Grop were why, you know, like, I, I thought that generally what I see is that people hate the, uh, Harry being moody stuff. Right. There there are two comments on this thread. The other one being, personally, I find Hagrid's tale more boring. I tend to read up to where he starts telling it and then skim to where they get interrupted. Hmm. 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 I mean, like, I, I can see it for like, like, I mean, like we like we were talking about, like it is it is very weird to just have a solid chapter of someone relaying a story that already happened to them in this way. Right. So I can, I can see that, but also this is like the one glimpse we have at like Harry Potter being a cool fantasy story. So like, I don't know. Just some Grop, interesting just stuff. Like, Grop. I'm just like, not ready for. Yeah. I don't know. About I, that one. I, know I know nothing about it. I feel like, the presentation of his character and like where he goes is very strange. I was reading some wiki stuff earlier and I kept on cringing at the use of the word domesticated. Is he like tied up? Y- yeah, he's like a But they're like weir- they're people. They they have language. Yeah. Um and also if I remember right and this could be 
entirely a fabrication because I've seen these posts so many times, but I am like 90% sure that it, like in so many words, Ron does do the like, so your dad, uh, you know, he's, a, he's, he's a little guy, but his mom, your mom, it's a big guy. It's a, it's a big old lady. So how'd that work? Like, I'm pretty sure Ron gets into that. So like, <laughs> that's, this is going to be a disaster of a chapter. I'm Ron pretty sure. Ron is the Reddit sleazeball character. Oh, he is. He really yeah, super yeah. is. Like I am, I am, he is the exact person that, you know, comes, comes back after his horror job or even is like spending all, all day at his desk, his horror desk on Reddit, making, making sleazeball comments. <laughs> <laughs> like uh lavender brown hey can i see your anus too lavender <laughs> hey ooh, ha, ha, cha. like yeah he is that guy completely <laughs> we f- we figured it out oh that's a, that's a horrible fate for ron yeah it is deserved that's that's how it happens <sighs> well what a you know i was kind of surprised we were able to to, to go so long this week because because you know i was worried it's like a short chapter no news but we've we've made a go of it i think yeah like i said we can talk about hagrid um forever we can talk about anything forever honestly we are you know not to toot my own horn but we are pretty good at this i think yeah and i'm pretty good at transitions which is why i am now going to take us to the close our theme song is hot mcgonagall by cheshire moon you can find them on Bandcamp. huge thanks to them as always for letting us use that as our theme song you can check us out on patreon patreon.com slash shriekcast we have so many good bonus episodes for you we are in the midst of uh planning some ways to get you some even more cool new interesting bonus content so go check that out uh you can always review us on itunes we love reading those um they've we've gotten some very very nice ones recently so thank you to everyone who has done that and liz what are we reading next week uh we're going to read chapter 21 and it's called the eye of the snake snake time yep i think that's i think we're gonna get some get some uh action wait what excuse me I meant like a, an action chapter and i got halfway through that <laughs> sentence and was like mm, mm, can't think can't think of a different word to say what i mean no we'll we will be getting some action when we get to the chapter about grop when ron goes so hey hagrid how is this? um yeah no I'm, I'm looking forward to this it's going to be some some good dream business stuff because this is when arthur gets attacked coming up right this yeah is the, i think so you should probably go back though and like like you know it's 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 interesting to you know as, you know people were saying like jk you didn't um you didn't uh, plan you didn't plan nagini being a human woman but actually did you know that before you know in the first edition of this book before they before i got a wide printing this chapter is actually called the eye of the korean lady Oh, that's really interesting. So that's a little bit of foreshadowing that I think a lot of people overlook when they, uh, you know, when they criticize. Shame on them. People just love to jump on that that hate bandwagon and do some trolling (laughs) online. Trolls, get out of here. Get out of here, trolls. Speaking of hate bandwagons, it's time for us to kill Umbridge. Oh, hell yeah. This is from Wattpad. Uh, This is number 13. Throw her off the astronomy tower and watch her pink cardigan slowly fall out of sight splat then there's a line break and it says dumbledore why what is with all the cardigan hate um amongst uh fan fiction the these the days Wattpad specifically teens. wattpad teens 
<laughs> I just remember. Yeah, nice, nice, uh, nice cardigan. Where did you get it? The Wizard Gap. Yeah, I, are, are all the teens these days like standing around and they're jeweling and talking about about how they hate cardigans? <laughs> I was up late last night commenting on the Harry Potter subreddit about how the hell could have Hagrid's dad had sex with his mom, and then <laughs> Stacy messaged me and was like, "Did you see Jim's fucking cardigan?" He doesn't even have the John Wick skin in Fortnite, and he's wearing this fucking cardigan everywhere. Can you believe it? That's a great preview of the exciting dialogue you'll find in our Harry Potter um, CW adaptation. <laughs> well, folks, you know, I don't even, I can't, I can't even think of a way to run up to this one. Read another book, please, for the love of God. Please read another book. Dragon Tales, Dragon Tales, it's almost time.